All right. Um, where's Denzel? Everybody's here except for Denzel. Mister Zwick. Hey, 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 Ronnie, the PA. What's up, man? Um, I just spoke to Mister Washington. He doesn't want to come out of his trailer. He doesn't want to what? He told me this is. I'm quoting him. So these are not my words. <laughs> but he said they ain't paying me enough to get my fucking ass whipped all day. What What do you mean we're not paying him enough? I mean, he's getting, what, SAG scale? That's a nice chunk of change. Uh, you know, I I would relay that information to him, but he seemed very intent to not come out here and get whipped repeatedly. He said maybe two takes at most. Maybe two takes? Well, we, ha- we have like a whole two canisters ready. Oh, we were going to, I was going to, I mean, we were going to whip him all afternoon. You know, that seems like I, I agree with you. That seems probably the best way to go. He seemed, again, to say this is his words, not mine, uh, that if they want to whip me, they can drag my black ass out of this trailer and do it. OK, 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 OK. Should we get Mr. Freeman to talk to him again? Mr. Freeman, can you can you step over here? Morgan. Yes. Hello. Morgan, what are we what are we gonna do? We got Denzel's in the trailer. We're trying to we're trying to whip him. I mean, you know, Ronnie, tell him, tell him, Ronnie. Uh, Mr. Freeman, he told me again, quoting Mr. Washington himself. He said, "If they want to whip that other nigga, Morgan, they can go ahead." Well, I'll tell you, this other nigga is gonna be in his trailer. I'm so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> that other nigga <laughs> You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be safe. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is the podcast where we deconstruct the white savior trope in film and recontextualize it through a black and POC lens. I am your host, Jordan Clark, alongside my co-host as always. Cameron Mason. And we we've got two first i think well this uh it's, i think it's going to be a second and a first this is this is our first and hopefully first of many but definitely a, a huge honor for us we have a new york times best-selling author on our yeah, podcast who claps in there i don't know who, if was, yeah applause, i'll put the, the applause, I'll put the applause on there yeah 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 uh but also a fan of the show which is we had marcus and and jamie on before who are fans of the show which was great but like to have people who are like, yo, this is great, and we listen to it, and we want to, like, participate in it is, like, still wild to us, because we <laughs> we're just 100%. doing this. We love to do it, and it's fun to do, but it's also yeah. like, oh, yeah, I guess people are, like, listening to this, <laughs> like, re- <laughs> reacting and responding to it. Um, it's like, you guys make laundry go so quickly. <laughs> we, uh, do what we can. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, we have New York Times bestselling author Justina Ireland. Justina, welcome. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. That's where the applause goes. Clap, clap, yeah. clap. Okay, slow golf clap. Sure, sure. <laughs> I want you to tell us a little bit about the movie that you chose for us, but I, 
I think it is also apt because two things, if I'm not mistaken, you were in the military. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Happy Veterans Day. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one day a year where we get to pretend we care. Everyone cares. <laughs> <laughs> but secondly, you also, one of your, your books is about, and this is Dread Nation that I'm speaking of, Dread Nation is about the Civil War in some ways. It takes place during oh, the Civil wow. War. And it's about, well, I'll, I'll let you tell us what it's about, because I would love to see this as a movie one day. Uh, me too. Uh, yeah, so it's Dread Nation, which is probably like uh, my best known book, uh, takes place um, ap slightly after the Civil War. And the whole premise is that the, <laughs> the Battle of Gettysburg ends in the zombie apocalypse. Um, and so you get sort of <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah. Oh my so, like, God. That's awesome. Get, like, but nothing changes, right? Like, so the, the Civil War is over and racism still exists mm -hmm. and Black people are still put in a subservient position. And now they're just being sent out to kill zombies instead of pick cotton, but also picking <laughs> cotton. <laughs> just go kill some zombies and then go pick some cotton. And so, wow, yeah. Okay. So it's just really a kind of a conversation, which is why I felt it was appropriate to pick Glory, which is probably. <laughs> the one or the most famous black people existed during the civil war movie there is mm -hmm. that's not directly <laughs> about slavery right yeah you yeah got like 12 years <laughs> a slave and harriet tubman and we get all that stuff but this is you don't get a lot of you know actual black people fighting in a civil war <laughs> yeah 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 it is very interesting because i mean we're we'll, we'll get into some of the behind the scenes about this movie but yeah, before this, there wasn't really any black people in any of the Civil War films. War films, big thing in Hollywood, just when you go back to even starting in like the, the 40s and 50s, like a million of them, you know, <laughs> like in, in all the wars, right? We're talking World War One, we're talking World War Two, obviously, which has a lot, but Civil War and the Civil War is something that is, I mean, it's not strange that it is a fixation for so many historians and so many people and obviously like you know, you're not going to have World War II reenactors because that's a whole <laughs> you other... You have to go to Europe. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Get on a plane a... and then go reenact. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a whole industry, right? I mean, there's there's mm -hmm. Civil War reenactors, like Gettysburg is like, you know, this hollowed ground. And it's something that, you know, we learn about in history class, but we don't really learn about what black people were doing at this time other than being slaves. And yeah. we hear a lot of, we hear a lot of different things about the Civil War, which I also get into in terms of the cause of it and motivations for fighting. But Glory was a movie that came out in 1989 and really did stand out in that way and that it, it was depicting the 54th Regiment, uh, which came down from Massachusetts to fight in the Civil War, which was an all African-American regiment. Obviously, there was white people leading the regiment, but it was composed uh, entirely of African-American men going to fight in this war that was you know, really about them fighting literally for their freedom, right? But also, it's it was kind of a chance to like, if you were a runaway slave, if you were somebody who had people who were still enslaved down in the South, maybe a little revenge, right? Like maybe a little bit of an opportunity to go and fight back against the people who have oppressed you for all this time. And there's, there's a lot to get into in terms of that as well. But just some specifics about the movie, it's directed by Edward Zwick. When this comes out, we will have already talked about The Last Samurai, which is another one of his films. Um, oh, Zwick loves this stuff. He's Zwick got a it. brand. Zwick, <laughs> Zwick Inc. 
and it's based on the screenplay by Kevin, um, I'm going to say Jar, J-A-R-R-E, and it stars Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington, Gary Ellis, Morgan Freeman, Andre Brower, and a bunch of other just really talented black actors. And I think really uh, important thing, because we've, we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but I think this is really one of those movies where this is where you get to act, right? Like these, for a lot of black actors, this is like your opportunity to come in and show out and get that recognition. And for Denzel, this is the breakout role, right? The tear yeah. that, that spawned a whole career. Like this is the one that really got <laughs> bars, the ball bars. rolling for him, right? And it's it's not crazy to watch in terms of, I mean, it's crazy to watch because he's so young and you forget, you're just like, oh, baby Denzel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's that also was, just- That was like one of my biggest takeaways, honestly, was watching like, oh, wow, this is, even before like, you know, the Spike movies mm-hmm. and before like, you know, him going big, kind of like that. It's like, wow, this is where it came from. This was where, this is where yeah. he was like, cutting his cutting his teeth a little bit yeah, yeah but even somebody like andre brower like this is his film debut like this is his first film is glory so oh wow yeah you have a really wide array of just like really talented black actors in this film playing you know, a variety of black people that we're also going to talk about <laughs> yeah uh justina i want to hear a little bit about your experience with this movie like where you first watched it and kind of those initial impressions for you yeah, I remember, I don't, I remember, the, so, like, full disclosure, um, <laughs> my mom is white, and my grandmother, my white grandmother, loved this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and I remember, <laughs> do you remember back in the days when Columbia House had the, the VHS face? Like, so, okay, so back in the dark ages, when you didn't oh, have, wow. like, like, back in, like, the late 80s, early 90s. Like Columbia House used to have these like flyers where you could order CDs, um, mm-hmm. but they also had a movie collection thing. And it was like, you'd order like 10 movies to start and they would like, you'd get them for a penny. And then you get like a, a movie selection every month and you could either buy it or reject it or whatever. And I just remember um, we went to live with my, my grandmother in the mid nineties uh, when my parents got divorced. And I just remember every single time it was like a Sunday afternoon, like nothing was happening. My grandmother would be like, let's watch Glory. <laughs> And it was because throw she, it on. Yes, she loved Denzel Washington with an unhealthy mm. obsession for like a sixty-something-year-old woman. And so his we shirt, were, his shirt is either off or open for forty yes, percent of this movie. Yes. I understand. Just, <laughs> and she's just like, and she also loves Morgan Freeman too. We also own Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> so there was a lot in our house happening. Okay. Um, and so I just remember watching this movie, and I. And like at some point you watch this movie and it, I just had the same experience just rewatching it. And you're like, this would be such a better movie from the perspective of anyone else but Ferris Bueller. Like, it's just, it's such like the, the scenes where it's just like the black soldiers and it's just the black actors and they're just acting, the sh- they're like just like- They pop off the screen. They are mm-hmm. so good. They're and then so good. They here really comes are. Ferris Bueller and Wesley from <laughs> The Princess Bride. And you're like, what And so I, that's what, like, this was like one of, the, I think one of the first moments where I realized I'm like, there's something wrong with the storytelling, but I didn't have the words to articulate what that was. And now, like, as an adult and as somebody who's like lived in the world and, and, you know, thought about things, it's really because this isn't really <laughs> Robert, what's his face's story. 
It's the Mm -hmm. story of these men who are in this regiment who are going to give everything for this promise of freedom. And it's so buried under this, like this tale of white saviorism that it, it kind of like makes the movie less good. I mean, it does make the movie less good. It, it, it really kind of takes away, like there's just, it's almost jarring when you watch the movie and you're going from these scenes where they're in the camp and they're in the tent and they're just interacting with one another and they're all from very different places. And the next thing you know, you're like in the officer's mess with the white guys and you're like, okay, like, what am I getting out of this? And like, the what's, I- funny, what's funny about that <laughs> almost is, Sorry to interrupt. So sorry. No, 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 no. But I think what's funny about that specifically is like all the scenes with the white men are the scenes where the plot really advances, like mm-hmm. the plot um, or like uh, oh, when they get a mission or, you know, it, it's usually like those scenes are usually to explain that part. And like when you are juxtaposed with the scenes of the black men and those scenes aren't necessarily about the plot more so they're about character mm-hmm. and they're so and that's why they're so good because the richness of their characters comes out whereas you know the oof, little sameness going on in the other scenes where the plot is just being forwarded it's it's, mm-hmm. it's very yeah. interesting you point that out i also just wanted to know like how do you feel when you're like yeah the guy who's in charge of us uh volunteered us for the most dangerous mission there is in this yep. <laughs> like Ain't we don't get goes. right <laughs> like, like i mean like like i know we're like it's like the end of the movie but literally he's like yeah this is gonna be a, a suicide mission my my guys can do this we can do this yeah, and it's like, we, got it. we got it and it's like do we like <laughs> they didn't have shoes six months ago like <laughs> like like let them like just live their lives for a little while so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, just a few facts before Cameron is going to attempt our, our vaunted five <laughs> minutes <laughs> of white bullshit. Throw me right under the bus. Like, the bus was coming. He was like, hey, Cameron, what? I promise you that one day we're going to get it. We are. And then, like, mid- middle school teacher style, we're going to have a pizza party. Like, we're going to celebrate. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I want the thinnest slice. <laughs> well, and then we'll, and then we'll watch Glory. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's oh, the prize uh pizza uh, party and glory so what, pizza party and glory uh, but, Sweet. i'm down with that i'm down with that yeah last two things so it comes out in 1989 and it has a budget of 18 million and it goes on to gross 27 million at the box office so fairly successful you know not like a smash box office hit but this is like they made their very, money back yeah definitely and you know it goes on to win a couple of awards it wins best actor in a supporting role for denzel Right. Uh, and then it wins best cinematography and best sound. It's also nominated for best film editing, best art direction. So, you know, it's a very celebrated film, you know, not only in, in the halls of war films, but also just in general, like, you know, the reception was, was good. And obviously, you know, Justina's grandmother loved it. <laughs> My grandma loved it. <laughs> thought it was fantastic. He's like, it's amazing. Pinnacle achievement. Yeah. And it's also, <laughs> It's also is used, you know, a lot in school curriculum. Like it is a movie that is is shown, but then also is discussed as like this is mm-hmm. a historically accurate film that we can pull from and draw from. And as we'll find out, maybe not entirely so. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but Cameron, I'm going to go ahead and start this timer for you. <sighs> We're gonna see. Maybe we should start like if you what do you think, right? Like what's your 
estimate. Do you think you can get it in five, or do you think? I actually um, think I can get it in five. I wrote okay. it. Okay. Okay. I wrote it out. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm skipping some stuff, but you know, well, yeah, we'll we can get it to we it. can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start your timer now. All right. So, boom! It's the American Civil War. In the Battle of Antietam, a Captain Robert Shaw, that's played by Matthew Broderick, is wounded and sent home to Boston on leave, right? It's there that he's promoted to colonel of the 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment, one of the first all-black regiments in the Union Army. He asks his white friend, Cabot Forbes, to serve as his major. Another friend, Thomas Searles, a black man, volunteers to be the first member. We then meet all the other uh, recruits of that regiment, that's being John Rawlins, played by Morgan Freeman. We got Tripp, played by Oscar winner Denzel Washington. And we got a man <laughs> whose name is literally Jupiter Sharts. Uh, <laughs> he didn't ask for that. <laughs> we also got a mute drummer boy, a young mute drummer boy. And this is where I wanted the uh, black acting school drop, because this is where we get a young Ron Rieko Lee from like all your favorite UPN sitcoms. He's at least shown up once. So we're going to get that drop for him. Boom, boom. You know, he's like, he was like Merlin Santana light back in the two thousands. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? All right. So the emancipation proclamation pops off and the Confederacy wants all the black soldiers. They want them to report back to slavery or death. And naturally, we were like, nah. So the soldiers <laughs> of the 54th turned down an offer for an honorable discharge. Cut to training montage, boom, where Major Molokai, a white man, is extra hard on... He, he trains everybody, but he's extra hard on Cyril's, played by Andre Brower. But somehow, Shaw, the guy who's in charge of all this, is still cool with that. He's like, yo, that's my good friend. Train him, but also beat his ass. Like, confusing. Anyway, one night, uh, Denzel Washington, Trip, he goes AWOL. He's, he's out. He's looking for shoes. He's looking for shoes because his shoes, they, they're fighting and they're walking place to place in these fake leather shoes that have been ripped to shreds day in and day out. So he goes out. He goes AWOL looking for these shoes. He's caught and he's brought back and ordered to be whooped in front of the regiment. But soon before the whooping, Sean Shaw learns that Trip was only looking for shoes because these men aren't being properly paid. They're not being properly supplied. So he still whips them. <laughs> in <laughs> he still whips them in which is now the most like famous scene in like cinema, literally. That's that's where we get that Denzel, that sweet, sweet Denzel tear. Okay, so uh, Shaw confronts the quartermaster, the, the regiment's quartermaster, about this racist pay dispute going on. And he supports his men being paid $13 a month instead of the $10 that they're currently receiving. The men are then given vouchers. They're given pay vouchers instead. But Tripp is like, again, nah, and rips that shit up. And Shaw also rips that shit up in front of the, in front of the men of the regiment. And the regiment rips that shit up, too. Fuck that. So the 54th are completing their training, right? They're finally transferred to an actual battle in South Carolina to serve under uh, a general, Charles Harker. On their way, they're rerouted to Georgia, and they're told to sack and burn the city of Darien, 
which is like a menial task compared to like actually fighting in the war that's actually happening. Shaw refuses this and reluctant, but then he like reluctantly agrees because he's threatened with a court martial. So the black regiment is stuck doing all these menial duties. They sack the city. They're doing more menial duties until Shaw finds a way to blackmail Harker for his like shady dealings and uncouth behavior regarding the 54th. And he finally gets them a combat mission in the Battle of James Island in uh, South Carolina. It's there that they actually managed to hold the Confederacy back and win the day. And not really win the day, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But Cyril's is wounded in, in battle. Andre Brower's wounded in battle. It's not looking good for your boy. Tripp runs in. He's like, boom, I got you. He saves him. And, and actually, Shaw regards him uh, for saving Cyril's by giving him, like, uh, the honor of bearing the regiment's flag in battle. But Trip, your boy, he's out here again. He's like, nah, I'm not, I'm not with the shits. Because even if they do win the Civil War, it's his opinion that things aren't going to look much better for the slaves. Either way. He's kind of a, he's kind of a like, hard, bullhead, bullheaded kind of guy. So then uh, General George Strong comes in. He tells Shaw of a major campaign to secure Charleston Harbor in South Carolina. And the approach is actually along a open strip of beach that leads up to the fort. And this is where they could possibly make a major stop of Confederate efforts. All right. So after a night of emotional speeches from the men of the 54th, another wonderful rousing scene. Uh, they charge the fort at dusk as the sun is setting. And upon charging the beach, they are pinned at the fort walls. Shaw is killed in battle like off the rip he's 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 out he's out it's not looking good for your boy he's out but the 54th charges on uh morgan freeman and dude from princess bride uh they they charge on <laughs> and <laughs> um rollins and forbes yes they take charge uh the morning after the battle we find that the men of the 54th have all been killed and the unions uh, and the as well as uh, the rest of the union soldiers there uh black and white alike they are buried in a mass grave they were not able to stop the Confederates there that day, but this was the first instance. This movie is ending on a note that it's the first instance of blacks being accepted into the U.S. Army to fight alongside whites. And President Lincoln makes goes on record to say that the 54th helped turn the tide of the Civil War. End of movie roll credits. How'd I do? I'm going to deduct about... I mean, you did a great job. I'm going to deduct about 10 seconds because we, we had a slight detour for black acting school. We did. <laughs> we did. We had to. What's your guess, Cameron? I'm saying 5.50. Six minutes and 39 seconds. Damn! Next time, Gadget. Close? Next time. We're, we're inching ever closer. I think I'm the we're worst defender. We're going to get I'm there. The <laughs> yeah, I usually go on for like 10 minutes. So you're... <laughs> well, I, I do mad deviations, but I just want to... This yeah. movie does get to straight to the point, though. These scenes are like kind of laser focused, and I do appreciate that. Right. That's what makes the movie... A really great watch, honestly. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, all of that, right? We <laughs> <laughs> all, yeah, all of that happened. All of that. All of that happened. Plus I, some more. I, right. And I think I come back to, this, is, this was my first time watching this movie. And each time that Matthew Broderick was on screen, I was just like, why is this happening? Why is this movie... <laughs> about him and i know why i know why it's about him right we'll talk a little bit later about you well, know yeah that. we could definitely i think we're all going to talk about that at the same 
<laughs> but it is just a really it's jarring because not only again you know you got Denzel Washington you've got Andre Barr you got Margaret Freeman you got you know just we've got some, people on deck <laughs> yeah just a lot of just incredibly talented actors and it's not that Matthew Broderick is not right and it's not that Carrie Elwes is not but it's more just like his character is not interesting right and I don't know if that is how the movie made it or how history actually was or any of those other things but like he himself every time he's on screen it's just either a like lamenting his position and like what he has to do or be him saying mm, you know i've got to be tougher and harder on these men to make sure that they don't you know because he's having ptsd you know back to the battle at antietam right where he in a great the movie begins with somebody's head exploding right yeah, and then, like, yo, out the gate. It's, yeah. but he also it's like the third shot of the movie is fully a man's head going boom from behind cannon but then he also know, right? this was just i don't know i guess war was different i have no i have no explanation for what's happening i'm built different it's, but it's, he's slowly leading a group of men as he walks forward as people are shooting at them cannons make a at wild them, decision <laughs> they're not returning fire they're just walking they're just continuing to walk and then people just start getting laid out left and right and then at yeah. some point i guess they decide that they should fight back and by that time matthew broderick just gets blown up and he's just out the fight yeah. within a matter of minutes you know okay what I mean? but let's like talk about how he's out the fight he literally gets a little bit of shrapnel in his neck and he's like nah I'm just gonna lay here. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> I once, like, I once played a game, but I know how he feels. I once played a game of basketball, tried to go for the rim a little too high, <laughs> messed up, slipped, fell on my back, and I was definitely in the same situation. Not shrapnel, you know, but yeah, like, definitely just, just like, like, just leave me here. Just, just leave I me here. I hope the rest of the game you were just there, and people were <laughs> just playing me. around. Don't touch me. <laughs> don't touch me. Just run around. Just don't, just just run don't around. dunk around here. You're good. <laughs> just don't dunk. But so he's just he's bad at I mean the movie's telling me he's bad at war. I don't he know if that upwards. was he feels right. upwards. He feels upwards. Literally until his promoted. death. Yes. Literally until his death, bro. Because yeah, he's just continuously and there's a whole bunch of stuff where he's just like, Well, if you don't do what I say, I'm gonna tell my dad on you and dad's gonna like <laughs> yeah. call the president and yeah. you know, all this other stuff and you're just like, Okay. I wish. I wish. I wish Even I could. so much to the point where, right, like the, this, this may have been my favorite scene of the movie, but also just the most wild thing in context is he, mm. and he goes through the whole fight. He comes back. They're at this party at, I guess, his house. And he goes over to his father, who's talking with the governor of Massachusetts. And his, yeah. his father's just like, oh, have you met Frederick Douglass? <laughs> <laughs> Who's yeah. just there? He's just, just at the party. Out. This movie playing fast and loose with history is just like, yeah, your boy. And was for a few present. minutes, because Frederick Douglass is just there while, having, while they're having a conversation, I was like, is Frederick Douglass going to show up and not speak? Like, is he just going to be one there? line. Douglas he has one line. He has one line. Your your boy literally, they like catch him with the gas face across the table, like, ooh, me, and he points at him like, me, Frederick. What? <laughs> 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 I, just, I would like to hear everybody else's opinion about it because it is just mm. it is disorienting to go from these conversations in that tent right between all of them between these scenes where you're you're watching Andre Brower kind of you know struggle in his time in the military between just the scenes of of 
all the men kind of like grappling with the situation. I mean, you, you know, obviously like the tear, right? Like there's all these yeah. amazing things happening around. And then we're constantly just thrust back to <laughs> watching Matthew Broderick like try to get them shoes or, you know, just like things that are just right. like, this is not, there's a whole other movie over here that I would love to watch. And, I, and I'm kind of shackled to Matthew Broderick. Matthew so. Broderick. <laughs> I, I'm led back to a, a a joke on The Simpsons where they get a, a they get a puppy, and then the other dog like show they're like oh look at the cute puppy and then like uh, oh no 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 sorry it's a sheep on a farm <laughs> and they're like oh what a cute sheep and there's like even smaller cuter sheep and they're like oh smaller cuter sheep but then the other sheep comes back he's like but what about me <laughs> and Homer just like out of the way fatty <laughs> just like, but that's like the vibes because we've got this 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 Andre Brower plot is really interesting where you've got this guy who's definitely bookish definitely like should be a researcher in the army or something like that not out in battle but still has the heart and the gumption to just be like no I will fight alongside you even though that I am not built for this He's out mm -hmm. there teaching everybody how to read, right? He's Literally. out there like <laughs> he's out there like marching and like bayoneting and like learning to shoot. And then in the night, he's like, "Okay, my downtime. I'm gonna teach everyone how to read." Yeah. And yeah. so it's just like he's such he's so much more interesting than the Matthew Broderick, that Robert, uh, the Colonel character. It's and we just... still have to and we have to see that over and we have to see that just like oh, this is such a cool, interesting scene, and then. Boom, no, 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 no. We got to spend time with this guy. And he spends all this time just staring into the middle distance so we know he's worried, right? Like, there are so many yeah. scenes where he's just, like, watching shit happen. And I'm like, dude, you're a colonel. Make some yeah. shit happen. Like, you don't have to just stand there and, huh. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, like, wow. 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 Well, and sucks. You've got to see, and you've got. <laughs> we going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> you've got all of these characters, right, who are, who are coming from very different points of view right i mean you've got denzel trips who's just like yo this is this is some bullshit you know in the sense of yeah. like here we are not being allowed to fight basically being you know kind of portened off over here at these different camps we're going to be doing you know manual labor we're like we're, we're the best fighters like we're the best that you know this this whole regiment has to offer like let us out there if we i mean he says at some point if if the 54th is out there we would have already won you know like we we yeah. want to go out there and fight his story in general is is very compelling just in terms of being an ex-slave who's now making his way to massachusetts and and looking to go back right which is like right there's there's mm -hmm. a part where they're basically like oh uh this just in from <laughs> the government if you get caught you're gonna be a slave again. We and... got. We, we're coming to find you. <laughs> yeah. And we that... heard you left. <laughs> we coming for that ass. Right. And then also, yeah, I guess you know, if any white soldier is caught with them or caught leading them, they will also be you know killed. Also or... be part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then you've got Andre Brown's character, right? Who is in a free man and educated man. He's coming down from Massachusetts. He's childhood friends with Robert and. You know, his kind of dynamic of, oh, you know, like Denzel says to him when they first get into the tent, like, oh, you, you thought it was this way, right? Like you thought the white people were going to treat you special or different because you were friends, you know, back in Massachusetts. But now you're right. seeing how it really is. Like mm -hmm. now this mm -hmm. is welcome to the reality that the rest of us have had to live in. And he is kind of having those moments of like, not only is is you know, Robert not talking to me or treating me differently, but like you've got this terrible drill, drill sergeant who's like... 
picking on me specifically, specifically. beating yeah. me, you know, like it's especially demeaning for him because he's being singled out amongst all these other people to be like publicly, you know, beaten and disciplined. And Robert's over there just like, I don't know what you want me to do, dog. Like, <laughs> be a better soldier <laughs> or something. He straight up told yo, oh, if you want to speak to me, you yeah. need permission first. You need to put the yeah, you need to put request. He's like, I need what? It. I need that in written. <laughs> so yeah, we've got we've got so many different characters who are doing some really great stuff, and then we're we're back to Matthew Broderick, time and time again, consistently. I, I want to talk about three scenes uh, specifically because I think they're all kind of emblematic of what's happening in this movie and how kind of bizarre all of this is. So the first one is when, <laughs> well, it's kind of, it's kind of like a two part situation, right? Because <laughs> you've got this situation where trips is, you know, telling people, Oh yeah. You know, like there's, there's this woman over here and she's like giving out free meals. And if we go over there, we can get this food and like maybe get some shoes and like some other stuff. And so, he deserts and goes to get the shoes, right? And that's where the, the famous tear scene comes in. We, we don't ever really have to uh, <laughs> dance around it, so. Hey. Hey. Let's talk about let's talk about the tear scene up front. I think. Yes, let's, let's, get let's into talk it, about so. the tear. That's, yeah. that's why the people came. <laughs> right, so the thing that's so crazy about this scene there's going to be more craziness when we get into the research. But what's crazy about this scene in particular is that, like, it's very, a lot of weird things happen in and around it, right? So, like, yes. he gets brought back. They're going over to, like, discipline him, right? So, like, the, the Irish drill sergeant is like, you know what we got to do, right? We got to beat his ass. Like, he's got the flog ready to go. Like, he's, he's ready to get into <laughs> this. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, Robert is kind of like, He's he's hesitant to get into it, but he's also kind of like, well, this is kind of what we got to do, right? Um, but Cabot is <laughs> like, like orders, I orders. Make, I don't make the rules. Yeah, I don't make the do, rules. Except you do. <laughs> right. And so Cabot's kind of looking at him like, bruh, you know what this is. Like, you know what's about that. You're about to whip a black man in yeah. front of all yeah. these other yeah. black men. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think is going to happen? He's and then for doing that, something that you would probably approve, honestly. Right. So, what I want to know from both of you is like, <laughs> at a certain point, Carrie <laughs> goes into like some kind of like slave dialect. Yeah, he's like, okay, oh, master, yeah, oh. I'll be over here just waiting for you. And I'm like, what happened? What movie do, am I watching? <laughs> do you think how long do you think he practiced that? before He's British he probably practiced it for months. yeah he had to there was <laughs> there was no way to like oh I'm a wing it today I, there had, was none of that he had a dialect coach for that scene <laughs> he was out there in his trailer practicing. He, met with a, he met with the dialogue coach in the trailer dialogue coach was wearing uh all black black turtleneck and he was like in order to embody the negro you're going to have to understand blackness blackness <laughs> I need you to put this bag over your head and recite after me. <laughs> so me and my niggas. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh boy! So he <laughs> he's he's doing that right, and 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 that does not 
sway Matthew Broderick at all. He's just like, bruh, you know, like this is what also it is. this is on the same day of shooting, probably by the way. <laughs> yeah. This is on the same day of shooting. Like Denzel is like, all right, I'm gonna have to get whooped on screen. Like this is gonna be iconic. And meanwhile. <laughs> Your boy Wesley is like, okay, okay, me and my niggas. <laughs> me and my niggas. <laughs> he got to look back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to riff on this, but I think about like, he's in, he's at the Academy Awards or like at movie luncheon or whatever. And they showed a clip of like him going like, you know, taking the, taking the whipping and, and the tear coming out. And then he's thinking to himself like that day. That day was me and my niggas. <laughs> that day it was me, me and them. I always remember. I always remember. <laughs> so, so all of that is happening in Carol's head, right? He's thinking about all that, and then, <laughs> like Denzel getting whipped, like not. He's just he's looking right at Robert, right? He's just yeah. like. <laughs> You're, you you ain't even man enough to do this yourself. You're going to have somebody else with me. Right. There is <laughs> a, actually that they give screen time to that to make sure that he knows that he's passing off the whip. Yeah. That's that's on purpose. But then afterwards, like he, he comes up to Morgan Freeman and he's like, so that looked bad, right? Was that bad? Like, maybe you can, can you talk to them for me about do they that? like me? You know? Do they like me anymore? You know, he's just kind of, he's real insecure about it. And Morgan Freeman, of course, is just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride for you for some reason in this situation and takes him in to go see Denzel and just takes off his shoe and you see like his, you know, fucked up foot. And it's like this moment of recognition that like, oh, by the way, good makeup on the fucked up foot. Like, (laughs) I was worried, but he's just like, oh, yeah, Yeah, I wanted to for sure. Good makeup like, on that shit. Jesus, get those buttons. Realistic. Like that. <laughs> God damn. But he's Go like, ahead. oh, they don't have shoes? And I'm like, my yeah. dude, you are in charge in of charge. this regiment. How do you not know that your soldiers do not have proper shoes? You've been it has this isn't day two. This is like literally your job. You've been there for months with these people. That you've been marching around. How do you not know they don't have any shoes? So then he goes in to like the requisitions, I guess. And he's just like, yo, I need shoes now, right? Like, give me them shoes, come off them shoes. And the <laughs> next day, you know, they're riding down the street <laughs> and they're there. Passing out shoes to the kids. <laughs> passing out shoes. Like, shoes like playing, Kendrick Lam- playing, playing Kendrick Lamar out, yeah, out, no, out of the carriage. He, he's Wesley and New Jack. He's got, uh, <laughs> got the shoes <laughs> for Free everybody. Day. Free shoe day. Free shoe day. And then they're just like, oh, we good. We got shoes now. All right. Like, let's. Yeah, we're, we're they back. do kind of like shut up about it after that. We're back on the team. So but that's that's a moment of Robert, like being totally oblivious to everything. Right. Oblivious in terms of whipping a black man <laughs> in mean, front of all these other black men. But being also, oblivious. But also you you miss the part where they pull back his shirt to whip him. And he's got these scars from all the yeah. times he's been whipped before. And right. he's just like, oh, damn. Well, we're still going to whip you. Like- yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> he pulled, they rip off his shirt. His shirt and he, like, this, this river of scars down his back. And he looks at him like, fam, what you going to do? What you think? Right. You going to leave a mark? Yeah, he's like. <laughs> well, and he's like, all right. Yeah, on with it. On with it. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's I'm just like, whatever, go dog. We're going we're gonna to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that, right? Then there is a, a separate scene where. 
they have found out that they're not going to be able to fight. And he storms into another person's office who they had previously yeah. been with before. Like he had this other captain. Had Harker. Kind of, Harker. Right. He had been going around and just like burning down towns and, and going crazy. And so he's <laughs> like, yo, I got I got the tea on you and I'm going to spill it, you know, to, to the powers that be if you don't let us go out here and fight. Right. And it's and it's another moment where he's just like, oh, yeah, like I have agency, right? Like I have power and authority and I can use that to do things. But you just have to wonder, what have you been doing this whole time? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, these are just like you're saying, Cameron, these are moments that move the plot forward, right? Like we've been right. watching this movie and now something else needs to happen. So mm-hmm. these are the moments that come through. But it is just like if this is historical, right, we're taking this from a, like, then you're having me believe that for months at a time, they were just like, mm, I guess we're just marching around. <laughs> marching around <laughs> I guess everybody's good. Yeah. You know, like... and then, right. And then he decides, <laughs> oh yeah, like we actually should, uh, I don't know, fight in the war. Like we should go here and do this. No, I mean, and- the people have been treating black people like that for ages and still treat black people like that. I mean, mm-hmm. literally on Twitter today, I saw President Biden in the port of Baltimore talking about, we gave y'all the checks. We gave y'all $1,400 checks. Yeah. Aren't y'all niggas happy? Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> How dare you? Like, How I dare you? About, I talked you to didn't my even give me pop. the checks, nigga. Like, the other guy gave me the, <laughs> the checks. And I don't even like, I I don't even like him like that. <laughs> He was like, I talked to my nigga Corn Pop the other day, and he yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doing great. <laughs> he loves it. I don't know what y'all doing out here. I don't know what yeah. y'all doing with that fourteen hundred dollars. Well, y'all still got it, right? Speaking of money, though, then there's the scene where they yeah. learn yeah. that they're not going to get the thirteen dollars that the other soldiers are getting. They're the pay get vouchers. 10. And Denzel's like, "Fuck that." Not with that shit. We're about to walk off. He starts like telling everybody, yo, like we don't have to take this shit. What you gonna go take the white man's money? Da 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 da. And then Matthew really Broderick is like mm-hmm. Matthew Broderick is like, Oh, well, if, if you guys aren't gonna take the money, then I won't get well, none of us will get paid. I I'll rip up my check. You know, and it's kinda like, my dude, we just saw you come from an old money Massachusetts home. That was- <laughs> we watched you, you need- do it. <laughs> You don't need $13. You know what I mean? Like, I know $13 in those times is still a lot of money, but like, you don't need any money. Like, you're good forever. You're good. We see you, fam. You're you have truffle sauce on your lips. I was say, your parents are friends with the governor. Like, besties with the, with the governor. He was like, I'm going to tell my dad to write to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln. Like- what you know the president on a first name basis, dog? But but didn't know Frederick Douglass. <laughs> I was a slave a month ago. <laughs> like what you think this is? You think it's a joke? <laughs> but I know that scene is supposed to come off as like, wow, like look how like he's really bonding right. with these men, like they're all in it together. But I was just like, what a privileged thing to do to like stand up and act like you're going to be part of these people when it's like, but you don't, they, they actually need the $13 like that. They're yes. You join the union, right. And you are (laughs) technically considered to be a free man. So that's the biggest part is, is the freedom, but also like 13, like, uh, yeah, I want the $13. I want the money. And so what them shoes cost like $28. (laughs) (laughs) That's nothing. Right. And so, got that right, right. But you you've got the situation where this the, the movie is building this moment up to be like, wow, good white man doing the good thing, doing the right thing in the moment. This movie has like at least four moments of that of like, mm-hmm. damn, did I mean, 
didn't he really understand the blight of right. the black situation at that time? And yet, he's still very boring, right? He's still yeah. not none still like of it. so just like oh, okay, I guess. So I, I, but I do want to transition over to the the black characters in this movie, and obviously, again, like a lot of people doing a lot of great things. I do have a question though. <laughs> okay, okay. Can we? I might, I might, I might as well just go back and play the drop again because yeah. this is something that I do want to get everybody's opinions on because I'm, I'm a little. Can we talk, Can we talk about Jupiter Sharts? First of all, <laughs> oh my god, his name is Jupiter Sharts, <laughs> and I don't know who did that to him. <laughs> well we know who, we know who did that to them we know well, who did it to him his name was lincoln kirstein and <laughs> peter bucard and kevin jar because i just i don't i don't know what random negro name generator from the 1800s they put it or, or it was in. mama and daddy shorts i mean i don't know like i don't it's know Char i mean i have not looked up if shorts is even like a, like a name you know that like is for because there's a lot of you hear people's last names and you're like that's not a real name but you're like oh, oh i guess it is like i guess that <laughs> is like, your what? last name what but <laughs> yes but, my son's name is bort for your for your the simpsons fans out there <laughs> but shart sharts sh plural sharts <laughs> plural <laughs> yeah i'm just like i'm i don't understand what he was supposed to be representing or doing in this movie. And I would, I would like to hear your opinion. Cause to me, it feels like they're trying to represent, I guess all of blackness in a way that's very strange because you've got Andre Barrow, who's like the learned free black man who yeah. like never has experienced, I guess, adversity. I don't really know. <laughs> like he, it seemed like he was coming from a completely different world in which you know, yeah, was it no... was weird because they were trying to. It seems like they were saying like, if you were a free man, then it was great, and like right. you never knew racism, which not true, but okay. Yeah, you got well, him. You got ex-slave Denzel, right? Who's yeah. who's coming in? He's coming in hot. He's got all the the opinions. He's not down with any of this shit that the white people are trying to do. You've got Morgan Freeman, who I guess is supposed to be like the wizened older member of the group, who's like seen some things. It's not really made clear but i believe he was a free man i think so because he's a grave digger at antietam so yeah i'm guessing free-ish what is <laughs> what and who is jupiter like what is he supposed to represent because he is not quite hitting menstrual notes but he's doing things that i'm just like He's he's kind of like a weird cowardly like when they're when they're doing the scene where, you know, he's taken aim with the gun for the first time and then Matthew Broderick comes in behind him and pulls out the pistol and starts shooting as like a oh, like you don't you don't know what war is. Like you're not it's ready bastard. for this. Three times right. in a minute. Three times in a minute. Yeah. But he's doing a lot of like minstrel type cowardly negro like well he also got the stutter right like he right. has like they give him the stutter so i think he's right. supposed to and he's like you know he's the one who comes up to uh uh cyril's thomas and is like are you reading a book yeah. does it have pictures and right. he's like oh i don't know how to read so i think he's supposed to be like like 
the one Negro to rule them all. <laughs> oh, wow. I came back. I came back into some shit. <laughs> we still talk about Jupiter. Like what Jupiter yes, was yes. Okay, I'm back. I'm back with Jupiter charts. Because, like, yeah. Yeah, he's the, he's the least deep character, right? It's like yeah. it's like he's 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 slow and he's like I'm gonna die. Like when they're giving their like their testimonies at the end, and he's like I might die tomorrow, but I'll have God in one hand and my my rifle in the other. And we're like, all right, he's a little he's a little slow. He's not the <laughs> not the sharpest, but he definitely we get him all the time. He's mm-hmm. always there, mm-hmm. and I feel like he's the black character they wanted to cast. <laughs> And then someone was like, wait, <laughs> we got to make sure we show the depth and breadth of the black experience in America. So, hey, I mean, they do get it. I mean, you get a bookish black guy. You get uh, Denzel with his shirt off a lot. For uh, sure. And like angry. Like repeatedly, repeatedly yeah. and angry, but mm-hmm. also emotional. Right. And you got your boy Jupiter Shartz, who's just fun. Is he is he? <laughs> Is he comic relief? Like, is that? Am it I feels supposed like to take it like that. It feels like comic relief, even when they're trying to investigate the fact that he is a little, he's a little slow, he's a little off. Right. But it feels like it's only in the movie to be comic relief to bring it to br- light, bring it to lighten the moment a bit. Do we need comic relief in a Civil War movie, though? Like, we don't. <laughs> we fucking don't. They tried to make me laugh with his name. <laughs> they tried to make me laugh when he spoke, and I really didn't laugh. No. <laughs> We're laughing now by his name because that's right. hilarious, but yeah. come on. <laughs> well, because, like, there's a way to do it, right, where, like, he is funny or, like, is is offering some levity, but it's not. It feels like the levity is at his expense, right? Like, it feels it's like definitely we're supposed to yeah. laugh. Yeah, it is. Not because of what he's saying, but because of how he's saying it. And who he is like we're supposed to be laughing at him right we're like we're not mm-hmm, supposed mm-hmm. to be like oh good joke or like he's clever or because <laughs> oh, good look joke. right like there's a <laughs> lot of there was a lot of black men who were coming out of slavery right and they probably yeah they didn't know how to read, they they didn't, how to read. but there's even they a moment where they're marching and the drill sergeant is like what you don't know your left from your right raise your hand if you don't know left from right you know and it's like yeah all right come on Look, real talk. When I went to basic training, there were a lot of people in my platoon who didn't know their left from their right, and they, they did not escape <laughs> slavery. Like <laughs> they, they, nope. they escaped Iowa. So like, <laughs> so like, I feel no. like that whole scene. I was just like, what is happening with him? Yeah, that was the character. I was like, I want to love him, but I feel like I feel like it's a trap. I feel like, like it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna make me feel a type of way later. Yeah, yeah. There's I'm like, some, oh. yeah. There's something in there that I was like, I don't know if I trust this. Um, sneaky, sneaky. And and speaking of not trusting it, uh, I do also want to talk a little bit about Morgan Freeman and that moment where they're all talking at. I think it's it's one of the campfire scenes, and Denzel's. You know, he's building up again. He's feeling hot. He's he's talking his shit. And in comes Morgan to kind of say, hey, you know, like you're out here doing things for yourself. You know, you're 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 talking a big game, but like, you know, this isn't about you. This is about all of us. And like, you know, you're you're lashing out at these white men, but like these white men are fighting for us. Like they're all fighting for our freedom. <laughs> and I was like, OK, wait a minute. Time out. I was like, <laughs> because 
I just feel like I don't know what it is. We talked about this before with Amistad. Like, I don't know what it is about Morgan in these movies specifically, but he's always kind of set up to play a magical Negro, but be also like apologist in some way. That's very strange. And like, bro, there's a reason why he was cast in Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> there's a reason for these things, man. Yeah. And like, you know, there's there's some things we could say, but I'm just I'm I'm curious about again, like what his because his character is is almost like exceptional Negro, right? Like he gets the building, he gets to be, you know, the regiment captain, and he gets to mm-hmm. like kind of be the one that they all just automatically respect because he's an older man, I guess. And like there's a few different scenes where he is kind of shown to be like he's got it right like he's he's the out of all of them he's the one that's like yeah I'm a, I'm a soldier you know like I know how to do this in a way that none of these other you know people are picking up and I've, I've kind of got this this wisdom and this foresight even so much that I am like telling Matthew Broderick like how to how to, I'm like I'm the in-between right like when he needs to speak to the regiment instead of doing it himself he gets me to go and talk to them and kind of smooth things over instead of actually like I don't know apologizing for all of that shit anyways I just, just looked it up because you brought up driving with Daisy driving with Daisy and glory actually came both came out in 1989 oh boy what? Your, your boy was just like so- the face of he's doing some like, work black apology for white <laughs> foolishness yeah just like in whole, one year a whole year like back like to back. his all his four-year consideration ads in variety were like you can trust me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just this big old face and just underneath it thumbs up big old grin you can you can trust me well because even then like, i love you the- morgan freeman i'm sorry i would love <laughs> I to work. <laughs> i'm an actor i would love to work with you in the scene where <laughs> It's it's some kind of weird revival that they're having before they go off to fight the final battle around yeah. the campfire. Yeah, the, the night, yeah, yeah, the rousing speeches. Yeah, that Morgan Freeman, he was he was doing that soul clap like he was he was adding extra claps to that clap. He was not. I remember. Oh my god, I remember watching that part of the movie, and I'm just like, your boy is feeling it. In it. Like he dug deep. He was like, mm, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let it come out. Mm. He was ha- <laughs> mm. Shoulders got into it. Uh, he was having those flashbacks for sure. It's definitely a little like you could tell. I don't know if it's his character or it's him because mm. there's a little bit of like I don't this this foolishness no, and then <laughs> but then like as this like as the soul creeps into him, he's just like mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like bro, <laughs> oh man. Well, before we transition over to to the research, is there anything else you guys wanted to to touch on from the film itself? I I think I want to say just like before we fully rip it, uh, okay. <laughs> I think this is honestly a pretty good movie, like plot wise, mm-hmm. character wise, cinematography. I think I definitely think some of the cinematography is like kind of yeah. epic. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the stuff towards the last battle in South Carolina is like iconic looking it feels more iconic than the tear a little bit but it's it, you know it's a embarrassment of riches when you have a scene when you have a movie that has both that scene and also like them charging the fort at the end which is like at dusk like shot during like the sun setting which mm-hmm. you know is any filmmaker's nightmare 
but the sparks and like the gunfire and the flag waving it's very like you can tell how black how white people was definitely like feeling themselves off this movie like oh they yeah. gonna love it you know i bet white mm-hmm. people like went to the first screen and was like they go look at them charge up the hell they gonna eat this shit Ah, come on, come on, come on! They 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 love us. You black people love us. Come on, I mean they hate us, but right. they love us. They gonna love us after after this. I, I mean, just movie wise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I had I had to put that caveat in. Yeah, don't don't come for Cameron in the streets. <laughs> Do not. Justina, anything else that that jumped out at you that you want to touch on? I just feel like like one of the things this movie does that so many of these movies do is you have this white character who's doing like the bare minimum to treat black people as human beings. Mm-hmm. And it becomes like this blown out, like, look like, at this <laughs> great person. Look how amazing they are. And that's what I kept coming back to because it's like all the stuff, all the plot beats we got with the white officers in the mess, we could have had back in camp. We could have had mm-hmm. it from... Yeah. From the, the them talking amongst themselves or from Morgan Freeman when he's the sergeant major coming down and telling them, hey, this is what we're going to happen tomorrow. Or, or we're go- we got volunteered for the shittiest part of this battle. We're going to take <laughs> up the middle on the beach with no cover. But it's yeah. going to be great, right? And I just we'll be good. Like, we'll be good. Yeah. And I feel like it's just so much that's done to like shoehorn in the white characters that it just really undermines how great. I mean, the, the, the scenes with just the black actors are so good. And then, like like Jordan said, like then we have like Matthew Broderick just kind of confused <laughs> about why oh he's my. why he is where he is. And so, yeah, I feel like it's <laughs> I feel like if you could watch this movie and just cut out all the scenes with Matthew Broderick and then just go forward, I think it'd be a great movie. Well, before we move on, two two scenes that I just remember that I do want to talk about because these were like, no, no thanks. So, the scene at the pond, right? where trips is talking to robert robert walks over to him and says this is opening line trips isn't it you have not spoken to this man this whole time you watched him get whipped and this is the first conversation (laughs) you're having with him (laughs) forever you've never spoken you just you you know you're confirming his name to him as you walk over like that That's was so wild to got. me when he said that i was like hold on a minute like you're telling me that they've never and i went back and i was like yeah i guess they never speak until this very moment right here but it's just like <laughs> even in a casual you know what i mean like i understand that you're a captain of this regiment there's a lot of men here you're doing a lot of things at a certain <laughs> point in time though did you just not see him right and like just have a general just like a hey you know i'm yeah no it- it, it took you getting whipped in front of everyone to be like, hey, fam, I know Colonel Wallen, but <laughs> I, I wanted to come over here and just shake your hand, bro. <laughs> like, that's that was crazy. And the, and the second crazy and this, of course, of course, of course, they had to have this in this movie. They're going off to fight um, in this final battle. Earlier in the movie, they almost got into this this huge confrontation with this white regiment that was walk, like marching in the other direction. Yeah. That same regiment is there with them. And who starts clapping? Oh, yeah. But those yeah. white soldiers were calling them all kinds of nigger and all kinds of other shit in the beginning of the movie. And now they're just like, give them hell. Like, yeah, yeah go, yeah. go 54. Hey, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, y'all gonna job. die. Yeah, y'all gonna so die. Brave. But hey, so 
brave. Look, y'all brave. Y'all braver than me. Braver than me. And Damn. I was just like, come on, fam. Like, we're really going to do this? Like, this is completely unnecessary. We don't need to redeem these white people at all. They could have just No, it's the same. Hey, it's the same lives. thing that all of these movies are doing. Cool Runnings did it. Yo, yeah. Uh, yeah. the Netherlands team called this called these motherfuckers Jamaica like it was nigger. It was like, right, Jamaica, right. you dirty <laughs> Jamaica. And yeah. then at the end of the movie, when they're like walking the carrying walking their the, sled uh, out. Carrying yeah. the sled to the finish line. Who's there at the finish line? But the Netherlands, like, you know, I called you nigga 30 minutes ago, but <laughs> slow get these slow claps yeah. going for these guys. Let's get a beer later. G- <laughs> give it up for the Jamaican team. And it is another incident of in these movies where, like, a one white person has one, like, significant relationship with one, or in this case, a group of black people. And it's played as if something happened, right? Like there was a significant change in American perception that after this, like, well, oh, because right, Matthew right, Broderick, right, right, right. who dies, yeah. so he doesn't even like he live doesn't on even get to, to like, like yeah. you know, he's dead. And and but it's like, but like this this bond, you know, is emblematic. He once of, shared a loving bond with several black men, right? And it's like, <laughs> like on his tombstone. <laughs> But and it's, he it's... Uh, even knew one of their names. <laughs> in parentheses. In parentheses. Here, li- here lies Robert Shaw. He once loved some black men. <laughs> he even knew some of their names. It's a long epitaph, but you know that's what. He, that's what he but wanted. that's what your boy lived for. He lived for it. It is true. It is true, though. You're right. That, I mean, these movies wouldn't even like. It's funny because they continue to exist. Like mm-hmm. they once stopped racism mm-hmm. like at the end of the movie i mean you're right jordan's like these movies happen and then like they might as well at the end of the movie uh the epigraph just be like yeah sla- slavery ended or racism ended or we were all good fam at the yeah. end like <laughs> that is the energy these movies come with like the- cool running solves racism in mm-hmm. sports or Glory solved racism in the army. Like, no, it yeah. didn't, fam. Yeah. No, it yeah. didn't. We're no. still here. Look, I mean, because after that, in 1919, you got the Red Summer where white people are mad because black people had the nerve to wear their, you know, their army uniforms <laughs> coming back from World War One, and mm-hmm. they just murdered us for a and whole they just summer. Killed people. I, I know exactly <laughs> yep. what you're talking about. It's ridiculous. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, and we're not even talking about the GI Bill and all. There's there's a whole. You know, we got we got a whole other podcast. We could do we could do it. Um, We're literally like offhandedly referencing these things that happened immediately after. Right. And that and that a lot of white people probably don't know even what we're talking about. Right. Like it's a whole other (laughs) what a whole other thing. Let's transition into the research for this episode. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to apologize up front for everybody because I should have had this drop day one it took me how many episodes to get here but this will be a staple from now on because it is one that like it's evergreen for all of these movies so this is this is everybody else's first time hearing this but i've been jamming to it all week why the fuck you lying why you always lying oh my god stop fucking lying stop fucking lying stop 
So, I mean, I've been saying it in episode after episode. Be like, yo, stop pissing on my head and telling me it's rain, dog. Like, I see you. Also, nice job. I, I said, I think there was two years in my life where I was saying, mm, oh my God. <laughs> Just two people, two people randomly. I love that shit. But let, let's talk about all of the wildness of this movie. And I think we have to begin with the Civil War itself, right? And so I'm going to talk about a few things because when you think about how this is framed and how a lot of Civil War movies are framed and anything about the Civil War, what we're talking about is, and this is what we're taught in school, right? There was mm. the Union, which was like this civilized, moral group of people who are like, wow, slavery, it's awful, it's terrible, it's got to go, got to do something about it. And then you've got the South who is like slavery forever. Like, fuck all y'all. Like we want <laughs> slaves until the end of time. And ain't shit that we're, we're, we're going to fight you over it. You know, come down here and fight us over our slaves. Right. And the reality is <laughs> that there was, that was act. That was actually the energy of the South. Like I'm going to read a quote in a minute where it's just like, yeah, for sure. Like they, yeah, that's why they wanted to fight. But, when you when you hear about the civil war right like it is framed in this way where there was a, a moral side and a and an unjust side right when the reality is that a lot of the white people in the north and we talked about this with amistad right even the abolitionists sure slavery terrible awful let's do away with it black people though like i like do i want them living next to me do i want them marrying into my family do i want them opening businesses in the town that i live in do i want them to have the ability to vote do i want to be governed by black people like no thanks right they don't want to do that we're good we're good right <laughs> and so <laughs> the framing of the civil war as if it was being fought to free black people and then bring us into America as full and equal citizens. That's cap. That's all a lie. Like none That's of that. Right? And so <laughs> you see Robert in this movie, right? Like he's the son of abolitionists and he's kind of framed as like this open-minded. He's got a black friend since childhood, right? Like he's grown up <laughs> around black people and he's, he's, he's kind of painted and framed as this, like very open-minded liberal like super progressive for the time right like mm -hmm. he's like doing all this for for all the black people doesn't mind having a black regiment like they offer it to him he's like i'll take that let's do it but when you think about what it actually was and we'll talk a little bit about the real robert shaw too in just a second like it was not that so let me give you a little bit this is from a video that I'll link on our on our Twitter, or they're talking about the Civil War from the black perspective and, and black Civil War soldiers. And one of the things that you you will see this like, it doesn't take a lot, you know, of looking into but the South, there's many a quote from many a Southern general, you know, uh, many a Southern, you know, politician who was like, no, this it, it's about slavery. That's why we're fighting you. Like they they were not <laughs> disguising it. And so the vice president of the Confederacy, Alexander Stevens, said, "Slavery was the immediate cause of the late rupture and present revolution. And the Confederacy was founded on the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man." Right? Like they that's they said that. There's, there's no, there's <laughs> nothing that's, there. That's history. That's real. That's, there's that's nothing to read into. There's no what, like. Can you read the rest of the quote? Like that's the quote. Like he's that's it. Right. Yeah. And so the real Robert Shaw was the son of abolitionists, right? And he was 
part of this regiment, he was given control of this regiment, but when he was initially offered this regiment, right, he was like, nah, no thanks. I don't want to do that. And it took some convincing and it took a couple of months for him to come around. Like his father and his mother went down to Virginia where he was stationed to talk to him. And even then he was kind of like, I don't know, this doesn't seem like a great idea. So there's a podcast called Based on a True Story, which I think is going to be very helpful to us going forward. <laughs> but they were talking to Gregory J.W. Irwin, who is a historian, but was also the historical consultant on this movie. Right. So he was like giving a lot of behind the scenes information, but also just clarifying certain things about the movie. And the basis of this movie is Robert Shaw's letters. Right. So, mm -hmm. so much mm -hmm. of it, you get like some narration throughout, like they're pulling directly from the letters. What they leave out is all the niggers in his letters, all the black <laughs> monkeys in his letters, all the racist stuff in his letters that he was sending back to his parents. Eventually, near the end, he is very complimentary of all the black soldiers. He is he has spent time amongst them. He's like, I guess they're cool. Like, you know, I get, who who knew black people, right? Like <laughs> they taught me is, some dope songs. Right. I mean, there is Their there is even awesome. a little bit of that, right? Where he's just like, wow, like the revelry between them is like, you know, he loves shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Their fashion game is <laughs> peak. The drip, incredible. The uh, drip is <laughs> blinding. But so that's, I mean, so Robert Shaw in the movie is painted as like this very open minded white man. But as of the, I mean, the, we're not even talking about him in the sense of like he was some terrible monster. He was just another white man of the times where he was just like, yeah, I don't like yeah. black people. Like, what? Like, what <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would you think that I want to hang around? You know, like he he had no context for black people other than some of the black people that he probably saw, you know, around his house. I don't know if he ever met Frederick Douglass and just a very casual. Oh, have you met Frederick Douglass? <laughs> 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 but I'm sure Frederick Douglass met plenty of racists along oh, the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the story of his life. Uh, but, <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> um, but so even the movie's painting of Robert Shaw is like, yeah, like, look at this open minded white man is like leading these group of black people. And he's the one that has to talk to the other white people to tell them, oh, you're, like, you're wrong because you don't know what these black soldiers are capable of, right? Like nobody wanted black soldiers. This wasn't a thing that anybody was clamoring for. And black people throughout time, right? Like black people fought in the Revolutionary War, black people mm -hmm. fought in the War of 1812 for no guarantee, right? Like the the whole idea, and Frederick Douglass was like the huge proponent for the Civil War. The whole idea was you have to see us, right? Like we're out here fighting for our freedom just like anybody else. We're fighting to preserve this country and this union just like anybody else. We're deserving of all the other things that you're deserving of. White people, though, still weren't with it, right? And so I want to read some quotes uh, from one Abraham Lincoln. And this is yes. uh, <laughs> oh. the God. This is something, <laughs> oh, if you wait. have not read the 1619 Project yet, like you absolutely need to go and read it and check it out. But this is from Nicole Hannah-Jones. This is from her, her initial essay in the project. And she's talking about Civil War is going on and Lincoln can't get white people to sign up, right? Like he's having a hard time getting people to enlist. Like they're having to have drafts to get people to come in because everybody assumed the war would be over in a matter of weeks. It went on 
much longer than that, a couple of years. And so at this point, you know, he's kind of losing the the steam behind the union and they're having these like thoughts and considerations about the Emancipation Proclamation, right? Like they're like, yo, we got to do something to really strike a real blow against the South. And this is kind of the plan, right? And so at the time he's meeting with, he's meeting with Frederick Douglass, you know, constantly Frederick Douglass is always in his ear trying to tell him like, this is what we should do. But he's meeting with a, a group of five free black men. And the, <laughs> this is, this is what he's saying. So uh, the proclamation would also allow the formerly enslaved to join the union army and fight against their former masters. But Lincoln worried what the consequences of this radical step would be. Like many white Americans, he opposed slavery as a cruel system at odds with American ideals, but he also opposed black equality. He believed that free black people were a troublesome presence, incompatible with a democracy intended only for white people. Just four years earlier, before he has this meeting, he says, free them and make them politically and socially our equals. My own feelings will not admit of this, and if mine would, we well know that those of the great mass of white people will not, right? So he's basically like, even if I thought that was a good idea, white people at large, they're not going to go for it, right? They're not going to dig it. So <laughs> Lincoln, you know, speaking to these black representatives, when they meet him at the White House, he tells them he's gotten Congress to appropriate funds to ship black people once freed to another country. He goes on to say... Why should we leave this country? This is perhaps the first question for your consideration. You and we are of different races. Your race suffer very greatly, many of them, by living among us, while ours suffers greatly from your presence. In a word, we suffer on each side. Although many <laughs> men engaged on the other side do not care for you one way or the other, without the institution of slavery and the colored races a basis, the war could not have an existence. It is better for us both, therefore, to be separated. Right? So he's basically like, yo, y'all can go if you want. Like, I, <laughs> we, got this we didn't want you here. No way. We don't like you. He's like, have you thought about Liberia? It's a great place. <laughs> can I get you a boat? <laughs> we can get a boat. I can get, I can, I can definitely. You, I can get you 10 boats. <laughs> yeah. Me and hey, the, hey me Steve. Hey, Steve, we need a boat. <laughs> How many boats? There's. Damn, a lot of boats. <laughs> Look, man, I mean, me and the boys, we scrounged up a little bit of cash. You know, we got you. It's coach. You know, it's not it's not the best, but like, you know, you're still going to get there. You might have to make a few stops along the way, but, you know, like, we, we got you, right? So that's, hey, that's it was his... better than the ride here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, they be talking spicy, yo. You know they be talking spicy, man, to your uh -huh. face. But that's the told, energy, told right? You Biden like, said you got is, the checks, yeah. right? Right. This is this is Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator, telling these black people, "Would you would you rather just leave though? Because like it's a burden to us, to us, right? Babe, like, you could not, go. Like right? it's, it's that energy. you could go. We don't even want you here. I mean, we want you here, but we don't want you here, right? And so the the whole thesis of this movie is that by the end of the Civil War black people through their participation in the military fighting on the side of the union have proven themselves equal to white people and that like things changed did not change no <laughs> i mean it's, it's kind of gross actually this movie is, what, what the movie does i mean it ends on a the visual of black and white bodies buried together right mm -hmm. they yeah. both fought alongside mass grave mass grave it's kind of it's kind of haunting and a little sad honestly because yeah. the movie because they don't win 
No. Right? They don't win the final battle, but they die, and they sort of make a stop. It's, like, not really the stuff movies are made of, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But what we end up fighting for is the idea that, oh, it's still cool. It's still cool. You could fight. You could fight. We knew you could right. fight, but you can fight with us now. And right. you can fail with us, too. <laughs> fail with us. Well, I mean... <laughs> I mean that's that's feel that honestly is what yeah. I feel at the end of the movie. It's like, all right, you cool, but we also didn't win. So like, right. Well, what what is true is that Robert Shaw did die at the Battle of Fort Wagner, and he was buried with all the other black soldiers in the masquerade. Ooh, he would have liked that. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. That's a, I mean, these are I'm I'm taking history and historians at their word because this is what they're saying. So like, you know, who am I to to, to argue with them? But the History is that he dies in the battle, much the same way that he dies in the movie. Like he dies yeah. before anybody. Like he gets before shot. we even get started. Yeah, he wasn't um, good at war. We saw that. He from wasn't. This movie would have you believe, right? This movie would have you believe that he survived multiple battles, and yet when you see him actually in war, except for the one part where they confront that Confederate infantry that's kind of like in the woods. Yeah, yeah That's yeah, the only yeah. part that he looks competent. All the other times, it looks like, what do you do? He was like- standing too close to an explosion. <laughs> yeah. He caught a stray out the gate. Yeah. He was like, what was that? There. Oh, damn. Oh, oh. Wasn't this movie about me, though? <laughs> so he gets killed. He gets buried in with all the other uh black soldiers in his regiment but not before waking up out of death to be like don't bury me around no niggas <laughs> well so he he gets and they like strip him they just throw him in there like another body because the confederacy yeah. is like that's what you deserve right like you wanted to be with them like these are your peoples like you could die with them too right like yeah yeah uh so they they put him in there his father is you know alerted to his death and then once Fort Wagner is taken, you know, by the Union, like they are going through the bodies and like looking through and he's contacted and asked, you know, we're making an effort to retrieve all of the bodies that were killed in that battle. Like, if we find your son, what should we do with his body? And his father is like, leave him. Like, that's what he like. There's no greater honor for him <laughs> than to be buried with his men. Right. And your and boy so that, is just from the grave, like, no, uh, no, Dad! I didn't say that. Dad, don't. Dad. <laughs> don't but don't his, do that. His dad was like, that. that is what he would have wanted. That is, the you know, he that is a great honor for him to be amongst his men. Right. I so, feel like they might have had a little trouble relationship. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> they might have been some teehees after. But a few other things just about the Civil War itself right just in terms of what was actually going on because there's a lot i mean this is kind of giving away a little bit of my what this movie should have been if if we reimagine it and that is like black people were out here right but black people were doing a lot more than this movie is is telling us right so one of the things black people were doing and in specific one of the things that one harriet tubman was doing was (laughs) (laughs) leading kind of these spy campaigns against the South, right? Like black people were being inscripted by the union to basically like, just get the, get the plans, get the tea, eavesdrop, and then report back. Mm -hmm. And so 
a lot of what's going on is like, you know, black people are, they fade into the background. <laughs> and a lot of these places, they're the help, they're, you know, whatever, like people are just openly talking in front of them because they think that, what are they going to say? Who do they know? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Yep. And so they're able to kind of get a lot of the plans from the Confederacy and report back as spies. Harriet Tubman specifically is not only just out here helping to enlist people, not only out here helping to, you know, get information, but she's she's leading actual like battles with Union regiments. And so, you know, you've got situations where Harriet Tubman is act like she's coming in and like fighting, you know, alongside these these Union regiments in a way that what about that movie? You know what I mean? So that I mean, that's that's happening at the same time that this is happening, that you've got, you know, these black people who are actually out here like fighting. And like you see, so she was at the Kambahi. Let me let me see if I can get this right. Yeah, so the Kavai, so this is in, I want to say, South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it's this raid that the Union was doing to kind of like go in there, free some slaves, um, and kind of mess up the, the supply chain for the Confederacy. And Harriet Tubman is part of this, she's leading this, and she frees 750 slaves, and they do not lose not one, you know, like that's... Think about that, right? Like this, this is it's way better than Robert. Right. <laughs> exactly. She's leading this military operation, and she Why saves for his everybody. Like <laughs> he knows so, what he did. Yeah, I mean, he does. Um, but a few, a few other points I want to hit just in this section, because I think oh, something that this movie does not speak to in a way that I feel like again would make it a, a much better movie is. We get a little bit of this with Denzel, right, and his character, and we're talking mm -hmm. about why. Why would like why would black people be fighting on this side? You know, knowing that in the past certain things have been promised, and look, even after this, right, forty acres and a mule, we ain't getting that. A lot of other things we don't get. But for a lot of black people, whether it was the Revolutionary War, whether it was subsequent wars, like we are American, right? Like this is our home there's no going back to Africa. There's no mm -hmm. like, and we have tried even in America to go over there. And then we get, you know, we get Tulsa, right? Like we try right. to mind our own business over here. And then, you know, you know you're not going to let us do that. So for black people, it's really like, yeah, this is where we're from. This is our country. And from that same article uh, from the 1619 project, this is another thing that stuck with me. It's an unattributed quote, but it's from a convention of black leaders in New York speaking against black colonization, you know, basically black people getting up out of America and going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And they say that this is our home and this is our country and beneath its sod lay the bones of our fathers and here we were born and here we will die. Right. And that's like, that should have been the thesis of this movie, right? It's like, whether or not you think anything is going to change, like this is still we're fighting for us, right? Like we're fighting to free ourselves, right? And for a lot of them, we're also going back. If I'm an ex-slave, like my wife, my brother, my my father, my mother, like my people might still be down there in slavery. I'm going back to free them, right? And it's not really about what happens next in, in terms of like, are white people gonna do the right thing? No, right? Like that's the- Yeah, I, I think- 
I think that's the problem with this movie is like we get the tiniest snippet of that in that scene by the pond with Trip and, and Robert. And he's like, I don't want to carry the colors because I'm not doing it for you, right? I'm doing it for me. But mm-hmm. it's literally two minutes in a two-hour movie <laughs> that we get that that distillation of like why they're here and what they're right. fighting for. And like we get that like that that monologue where Denzel is like, nah, it's for me. It's not for you. I don't care about you. And I think that's the like that's that's what's wrong with these these movies every single time is like you decenter the actual struggle that's happening to make a white character feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. But that's like Robert was gonna go back to Boston and and eat truffle fries or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like he was not <laughs> going to like go back to like the like the bad thing that could happen to him was like maybe he wouldn't get to hang out with the governor next week, right? Like it wasn't mm-hmm. gonna. And because even when he tries to send back um, his friend and he's like, you're going to go back to Boston. He's like, no, I'm fighting. It's like because yeah. he knows he's fighting for something. He's not just fighting because he thinks it's what his parents want him to mm-hmm. do. Right. So, yeah, it's so frustrating. It's a, That's the thing I always get frustrated about. It's like, why? Why do we care about that character instead of just thinking about, like, what are we fighting? The people who are right. fighting for something are way more compelling. Right. I think that might be the best way I've heard it put on this podcast, honestly, so far, is that these movies do consistently decenter the people who are actually experiencing the struggle, who yeah. are actually experiencing being, like, subjugated be- at-, at the expense of, like, a character that's usually boring... <laughs> Usually taking the wrong tactics at first and then somehow through the power of God or sheer will, I don't know, making something happen at the end of the movie for a third act conclusion or whatever, usually. And, and it's usually something they could have done at the beginning, right? But they had to learn a valuable a simple lesson. Decision. Yeah. yeah, it's <laughs> usually a simple decision, a simple lesson learned. Like you yeah. could have just been like, oh, let's just get them the shoes. Yeah. yeah, a couple weeks earlier. So maybe not my entire yeah my entire regiment's feet aren't bleeding, right. and like leading the Confederacy right to our tracks, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. it's very true. It's it's and it's really annoying, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really annoying because we keep coming back to the same tropes. That yeah, are kind of end up being kind of lazy, honestly. At the end of the yeah. day. Well, I mean, Cameron, I'm going to play your favorite. And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. <laughs> no, so like consistently, consistently though. Well, I don't, I don't want to speed through all this, but there is, there is some quotes from Edward Zwick that I'd like to read because they are very interesting, just in terms of what they were thinking in, in terms of the making of this movie, but there are a few more things about their real life history that I would like to touch on. One, none of these people are real. Uh, only Robert <laughs> Shaw is a real person. So again, no Jupiter Sharts is- <laughs> Wait, they made up Sharts? They made How up dare? Jupiter Sharts. <laughs> so it's wild. Jupiter so like all of these black people are fictional, right? In place of two of Frederick Douglass's sons, Two of Frederick Douglass' sons were fighting in the Civil War at his behest. They were sent with the 54th Regiment. One of his sons was basically who Morgan Freeman is supposed to be, right? So, like, he was this decorated, like, leader of the 54th. He, you know, was, like, very much so respected and looked upon as, like, 
this is this is what it was supposed to be right like with all of these black soldiers like this is what they were hoping they would amount to and like he was that so the fact that frederick Douglass is in this movie and his two real life sons were in this actual regiment and we just decided that we needed jupiter sharts and, <laughs> and some other people but is, instead they only decided decided to give him two words in the script like yeah and then that's the crazy parade, that would have like, been such a cool thing to like bye. pass that on and show that would have been an amazing movie that would have been an amazing movie like he's frederick so... douglas's sons fought in this very regiment and we decided to leave that fact out but put him in the movie put him in the movie and not let him spit all of the fire that he was spitting throughout mm-hmm. the course of the civil war you look up those like, frederick Douglass quotes like bars he's coming from yeah it's bars so, like, he don't give a th- shit about nobody mm-hmm. none of that is in there the shoes bullshit right like the that, shoes never, is bullshit too no they never what? had to worry Not about that the shoes is real <laughs> nah, Man, they never had to worry my about dude that. was just like what's gonna make these black people mad mm, well you want to know what's gonna make these shoes. black people mad is that <laughs> is that the flogging scene also not real in the sense oh. that in 1816 they had barred flogging as a punishment so like that wouldn't even have been a thing that was possible to do come on oh it was so- definitely possible don't even do that because white people was like oh we're gonna figure out a way sure right like that's i'm not saying that like it did but in terms of like historical accuracy they were just like nah but what if they whipped Denzel. <laughs> I mean, like, we, we can't not have this be in the movie. So we're just going to we're going to bend around that. And then the whole incident with the checks, like it is it is very interesting, right? In the sense that when you're thinking about the real life history of this, the governor of Massachusetts at the time, Governor John Alvin Andrew, what he was about it, like he really of all the white people in history, you know, in this movie, like he was the one who really, he really wanted this. Right. So when this is popping off and Lincoln is like, all right, I guess we can have these black regiments now. Like he's the first, he puts it together first. Like he's getting all of these things ready to go. Cause him and Frederick Douglass have been talking about this for a long time. And like, he is supporting them every step of the way. So that's why the shoes is bullshit because if they needed shoes, he would have just paid for the shoes, right? So when it came to the checks, there was a law that was passed before the Civil War that was basically like, you know, black laborers can't get anything more than than this, right? Like in terms mm-hmm. of being paid in equivalent to white people. And so that carries true with the military. And so in reality, they weren't getting even getting $10 because they were getting money taken out of their check to play for equipment. So they were really getting $7, you know, if they were if they were taking the money. And so Shaw does hold out with them, right? Like he, it is his idea to not take the money, which again, you got money. So like this isn't hurting <laughs> your bottom line at all. Uh, but it, it isn't a thing that gets quickly resolved. It's a thing that takes about 16 months to resolve. The governor is like, I'll just give you the extra three dollars, right? But the soldiers are like, it's you know, it is a principal thing. Like, you know, we want we want the full money from the government. Like, give us the thirteen. Run the, we're my thirteen. Run that, right? And so, <laughs> it's the principle. <laughs> Principality is the principle of the thing. <laughs> and so that eventually does get resolved, but there is just a lot of like back and forth between you know the black soldiers 
and uh, the government to the point that, you know, it finally like almost by the end of the war. And this was the other thing is that if you were a free black person, you get the back pay. If you were an escaped slave, some of that money <laughs> went back, you know, so you didn't get the full thing like that money was you were still property in a sense. Right. And so. Even that white was people just got like, reparations before black people did. Uh, they, yeah. <laughs> that's wow. Wow. That's wow. That is a bar. That's, yeah. uh, <laughs> I've never heard. Well, I've definitely heard of such, but I have. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. White people um, got reparations before black people. Definitely. That means that you're taking your money and sending it back to yeah. the guy who owns you. All right. No, nah, that ain't yours. <laughs> that ain't yours. <laughs> I do want to read to you these quotes by Edward Zwick because it is interesting to hear from his perspective about the making of the movie. What he says just in general, right? Is like, you know, he's hired on to do this movie and there was some weird, not weird, but like more so the typical stuff. Like the studio wanted this movie to be about Robert Shaw. Like that was what the movie was about. And so they had included a lot of things in the original script that he, he actually shot about Shaw's upbringing and like his relationship, like with his wife and like all kinds of other things, like his military education. And Zwick filmed all that, but then like cut, all of it from the movie once they started filming the movie because once he started seeing the interaction between all the black actors on set he was like well this is the movie like this is what the movie should be about and he was adamant that this should not be a movie centered on a white man right so i'm going to read to you what he's had to say about glory throughout the years so he says it was the juxtaposition of his story robert shaw and the story of these men in the tent they allowed me to make it because Matthew Broderick, who had been Ferris Bueller, was willing to play Robert Goldshaw. And there was pressure put on me in the beginning to write and shoot a lot of things about him. His backstory, Brook Farm, the utopian community, growing up with uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe and Ralph Rado Emerson. And I did. I shot that stuff. But the minute I shot the first scene with those four guys in the tent, it was very clear to me that that's the movie's beating heart, if not more. And that then led me to begin to chase that part of the movie. Matthew understood that too, by the way. And it became the juxtaposition of these two stories and how they resonated together. He goes on to say that... When I showed the movie to the studio the first time, I had to cut the first two reels, which had all been that stuff about young Robert Shaw. And they were shocked and maybe even appalled, except we did it at a preview and we played it for an audience and it went so well that they were like, oh, I guess that's the movie that we're making. Zwick then defended his choice to tell much of the story from the white officer's point of view by saying, I think the choice was to try to focus on neither blacks nor whites, but on the regiment. One of the points of the story was to explore a time in which both blacks and whites found some commonality of purpose. The fundamental focus of the film is not Shaw and the rest of the officers, but the coming together of the regiment and all of its aspects. So, so what you're saying, the movie could have been worse. It, it could have been worse. It could have been longer. It could have been worse. They could have had a bunch of unnecessary stuff in there. Yeah. But do More. we do we agree that he found a way to tell this story that wasn't a white savior story, right? I feel like we're we're not agreeing on that, but he, it seems to be his intention that he wanted to tell the story of these black soldiers and you know, kind of their history. But if you if you if you listen to him tell it, he was kind of shackled in a way by the studio to you know Matthew Broderick is the star of this movie. You know, nobody else in here is a really a big name. It's got to be about Robert, you know, Goldshaw, like the the screenwriter. 
uh, says the inspiration for the movie came from the 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 bas relief that you see at the mm -hmm. end of the film. Like he came upon it, and he was like, "Oh, like what what is this? Like I want to know more about it." Learned about it, was like, "Oh, this needs we need to tell the story." And so while yes, like Robert Shaw is a part of the story, right? Like he's not not a part of the fifty fourth regiment. I still don't see how he is the necessary focal point of the movie. And so hearing what Zwick had to say, does that, I don't know, I want to say change your opinion about any of this, but like, do you, do you hear that and say, I could see what you were going for and maybe you just didn't quite get there. Just bake them out. And at least you tried cake. Like <laughs> 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 an attempt was made. At least you tried. You did. The, he did do the thing. I, I, I see where he, <laughs> I hate to say it that way. I see where you thought you did something. like, Because <laughs> I get where plenty of the movie is about Shaw and plenty yeah. of the movie is about the Black Regiment and the relationships, the interweaving relationships of them. But it doesn't feel like it's interwoven and it doesn't feel like it's more of a con contrast. If anything, the contrast is that Shaw is a boring character and really only... Like a, like an avatar for the regiment to like interact with the 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 people that were above them in the army. Like mm -hmm. it was, they were really yeah. he was really on the the person that spoke between them, and right. not really like a catalyst for change at all. I mean, he, he like they went down to they were going down to South Carolina, and they got detoured to Georgia. The only reason they went through with that detour was begrudgingly. He only paid for the shoes begrudgingly like these things are only happening because shit can't go forward otherwise for right. matthew broderick's character yeah he's passive he's so passive in so much of the movie right like right. things are happening around him and it isn't until like either the major or one of the black characters is like we need you to do this and he's like oh, okay i guess i'll do that then i'll do it and the, yeah. now it'll get done because i can do it yeah. Right. So it's yeah. like it just, it's like you're doing the, the thing. You're you're yeah. He doesn't take the initiative. Initiative. Yeah. No. And he gets, but he gets all the credit. It's right. All the credit. <laughs> the one thing he does is when they're sacking the town, and he's like, "No, we're not going to do this. It's women and children in this town." And the other guy's yeah. like, "I outrank you." And he's like, "Okay, go burn it Oops. down." Oops, psych. <laughs> yeah. Oops, psych. And then and then the only other thing he did was get shot first. Yeah. <laughs> Your boy mm. is not good at battle. No. no. Yet he so consistently bad. puts himself in a position. Yeah. Oh, um, don't stand near this explosion. <laughs> oh, don't have my neck open and available for bullets to fly at it. So before we get into our reimagining of this movie, two more things that I wanted to share. One one last thing to kind of hammer home this point that is contrary to what this movie wants you to believe is that yeah, like the North, they really wanted to get those slaves free. Like they really, they were all about it, right? So in July of 1863, in New York City, um, for three days, because of drafts that were happening, right, there was a three-day riot, which basically came about because there were some white working class men who were in their feelings. And they were in their feelings because, one, there was this this kind of loophole within the draft that if you were rich enough and you had you know three hundred dollars which was like i think today about six thousand dollars right like 
you could just get out of it, right? You could just say, no, I don't want to fight, but here's some money and y'all take that, put that to the war effort, right? If you didn't have that, you had to get drafted. And now, not only did you have to get drafted, but like black people were also getting drafted. And it was a whole thing and they were very upset. So what do they do? <laughs> For three days, <laughs> they tore Manhattan up and <laughs> killed black people. There was a race yeah. riot. You can look this up. It's the New York City draft riots. Um, the official death toll, and this isn't just black people, but just in general, was about 120 people, right? And they were lynching people and they were burning black businesses and black people's homes. And like, it was wild. And so that's the North. That's New York City during the, the Civil War. Right. They, they were not doing this to free the slaves, right? Like they, they didn't want us. The majority of white people were like... I mean, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be in chattel slavery, but also like you shouldn't be near me either. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that vibe. I did also want to give you this little piece of information because we the the tier is this famous part. Right. And so this is Denzel on the tier. Right. And he, he's talking about filming. I, I was asking Cameron before, like, was that, do you think that was one take? And I guess they did, you know, at least like two to three, but I was like, three had to be the max. I mean, how many times are you going with me? <laughs> yeah, that's what we were there. talking about. We were saying like, no, there was, no <laughs> he definitely was on that set. Like, all right, we ain't going to do this more than three times, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, you well, well, you gonna, yeah, you better get it in the first two. This is what he had to say about this here. He says, look, we were shooting that scene just a block away from where slaves had been held in the docks of Savannah. And I didn't know what, was, what I was going to do or feel in that scene. And I just gave it up to God. I just let myself be there and see what would happen. Right. And so, again, that's Denzel. Right. Like our thespian Denzel Washington, just like <laughs> vibing in the moment. Right. Like he just got on set and he was just like let's see what it is and he gets there and delivers again that's the 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 tear that sparked a whole career and wins him as oscar i don't yeah. know what i don't know what the oscar clip they played during the award ceremony is it but be the tear. it had, it had to, be to be the, the tear, tear. Yeah. there's it had no to be the way tear. like they yeah. said denzel washington's name and they gave him that goofy scene where he's just like i'm a boy from blah, blah, blah. i'm a <laughs> boy from kentucky like, there's no way they played that over the tear scene and Zwick has said that, like, that was, again, all, like, spur of the moment. You know, that was Denzel improv And they were filming it, and he was about he was about to cut. And then he saw what Denzel was doing, and it was like, you know, we got to keep keep rolling. So that almost could not have happened, you know, if he had just cut oh, before wow. he got there. How, so I mean, he's improv but it's, like, so in the moment. It's just, like, I mean, he's staring back at him. Mm-hmm. That's really what he's doing. I mean, yeah. Yeah, from an, as an actor, I would assume that it's just like they got the camera on him. Yeah. And they're doing like the slow zoom or whatever. And he's mm-hmm. just like taking these whoops. Yep. With whatever back uh, safety precaution he's got going on. <laughs> and I don't know where that comes from improv wise because he's just like, he's got that crazy look in his eyes. He's got mm-hmm. that like, that look like, yeah, you're doing this, but what are you really doing? look yeah, in his no, eyes and then there was a moment where Zwick was like nah cut it's good oh wait 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 what's that in his eyeball <laughs> oh it's gold that's what just it is one, boys just one yeah, that's no, an Oscar that's that an moment. Oscar right there <laughs> keep it rolling this is yeah. money 
Martin Hanna. No, that Hank. was Denzel. Denzel was looking. He was looking at Matthew Broderick, but he was actually looking at the white people watching this movie like, y'all ain't shit. Y'all ain't shit. <laughs> I see y'all. Vi- vibing, see y'all. vibing with the ancestors like, these niggas ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, your boy Carrie Elwes is in the trailer like, me and my niggas. <laughs> we were there. Well, let's let's reimagine this movie. Uh, Justina, as our guest, let us know, like, what would you do to change glory, to, to move it away from the Matthew Broderick-centered film that it is and give more more light to, um, you know, a lot of these other actors? Because, and I'll say this, too. We talked a lot about Denzel. Give it up to Andre Brower. Like, Andre mm-hmm. Brower's performance in this movie, I'm going to give him Black Acting School as well. I mean, they all need to get it, but, like, that was... He was doing it. Like he was, he's, he was. I really, thought he was the main character. Honestly, right? He's he was kind of. I'm, I I don't want to step for your time because I know he asked you, Justina. But <laughs> I I did have to jump in here real quick and say that like the movie doesn't necessarily start with Andre Brower, but he's like ten minutes in, and it is his journey, his unwitting journey, honestly, yeah. from like volunteer to you know respected yeah. amongst his peers. I will also say I did heavily questioned that decision where he was like i'll be your first and i was like did you not see what, what? just happened like a few other <laughs> yeah, just I a few minutes ago in the woods for two he, years <laughs> i don't think he knows that like his friend just like laid on the battlefield at mt and was like i'm good like, I think he was like you're an officer you made things happen and it's like you all got we all got that friends who like you think mm. they're better at things than they are and then you see him and you're like oh no like oh. <laughs> He came back telling stories and Andre was like, Why the fuck you lying? Why you always lying? Oh my God. Stop fucking lying. Should have known. That's a classic. I'm so glad you brought that drop in. Anyway, you know, I I try. Uh, Justina, what would you do? And again, you could just say, don't make glory. You know, if you you don't. No, I think it's like, I think it's such a great story. And I think it, it, it really illustrates the idea that at one point they wouldn't even let black people die to be free, right? Like you couldn't even fight to die. Cause like, every time you talk about slavery, there's always some chucklehead who's like, why didn't they just, you know, leave or, or revolt or like get organized. And it's like, well, well it was did. it a choice? Like, was it? Yeah. It's like, like it's like, well, maybe it's because they were just bad at freedom. Like, I don't know. Like, I, so I think it's like, you need movies like this to show like, yeah, people bad fought really hard. You're bad at freedom. Just, you know, I'm, I'm just going to sit here on this, in this field. It's, this is easier. Um, and so I feel like you have to make this movie, but I also think there are so many more interesting ways to do it. And I think, Following Andrew Barr's character, um, all I can remember is the call, trip calls him Snowflake. So I keep seeing this Thomas. Snowflake. Thomas, thank you. Following Thomas's journey, right, as a free man to go and like fight in this war, I think that's a really interesting point of view, especially when you have this friend that you grew up with who's this white guy who all of a sudden is like, nah, I don't know you. Like, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> we're, we're not like that. Like, you're enlisted and I'm an officer. I mean, I think that's really compelling, but I also kind of want to hear about Frederick Douglass's kids, right? Like, how do you grow up in a house with Frederick Douglass? Can you imagine the lectures? It's like, I told you to clear your plates. <laughs> Constitution doesn't care about your plates. And like, so like, I just feel like there's such a great movie to be made there. Like, there's so many, like, if you center like the black experience during the Civil War, that's always going to be imminently more interesting than like, some white dude from Boston. I feel actually feel that's like just a rule 
in movies, it's always going to be yeah. more interesting from a black guy's perspective than some white dude from Boston. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Ben Affleck. So, <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I was really about to say, mm. uh, <laughs> how would you remake this? I do want to open this part by quoting the great Roger Ebert. Mm. Uh, he had a great quote about what we're kind of talking about here. Um, so he says, watching glory, I had one recurring problem. I didn't understand why it had to be told so often from the point of view of the 54th's white commanding officer. Why did we see the black troops through his eyes instead of seeing him through theirs to put it another way? Why does the top billing in this movie go to a white actor? Oh, Roger Ebert! Yeah, Roger. I was looking looking for that. I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that in. Your boy Roger always had the takes and was so concise, knew exactly what he was talking about. And it's, it's the point we keep coming back to here, which is why are we watching this movie through this lame, passive protagonist when we have a troop full of interesting stories so many interesting stories they weren't even included in the movie right like, that's ridiculous to hear today that frederick Douglass's son fought in this exact regiment this movie decides two of his to, sons two of two. his two of his sons fought in this <laughs> regiment this historical regiment and zwick was like no 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 we don't have to do that we can just yada 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 blah, 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 blah. uh frederick Douglass, uh, yeah, give him a line give him a line just uh, <laughs> get him on my face like wh- what 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 are you talking about? This is crazy. So I, I would really take a hand, take a tip from uh, your boy Roger and definitely switch the perspective. Mm-hmm. This I would even start the movie with um, with Thomas. Mm-hmm. And I'd want to see what made him, what about the social condition at the time made him want to join up in a situation where he really couldn't, you know, he was literally the first. So he, the option was not presented to him. He yeah. felt in his soul that he needed to fight for the people who couldn't fight for themselves. And I think that's like just noble beyond words almost mm-hmm. <laughs> to literally enter a space where you're not allowed and maybe possibly give your life for the cause. Yeah, that's incredible. And so like that alone is like a movie I'm interested in. Right. And then second of all, we've got this guy who doesn't take kindly to authority, doesn't know how trip. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to handle authority, doesn't know, like doesn't know anything beyond his anger for like what slavery has brought him and people around him and what he puts into his fight. We've got mute children. The sons of the great orator. We've got like this shit is ridiculous. It's literally an embarrassment of riches for the second time using this in this podcast. Mm -hmm. But like you've literally got so much to work with. Yet we keep having to go back to this white man who in real life didn't even feel this way, bro. Like and is presented as a person who was just like, oh, man, I want to get these niggers their shoes. I want to make sure that they get paid just as much as I do, but not exactly enough. Like, it's it's crazy. It's, it's crazy the choice to, like, to make this hero out of a person who you researched and 
obvious i'm sure they found that he wasn't the nicest guy like mm-hmm. or wasn't really feeling the way he's portrayed mm-hmm. you know it, it's just ridiculous to just to to put the movie in that person's hands and literally yeah. you know roger eber here is even agreeing yeah. one of our great film critics sees it on its face so i i just i mean it's obviously still happening like we said earlier mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's just so sickening to yeah. have these stories of like these such interesting stories be held back maybe even not told at the sake of like the white audience avatar so that white people can go to this movie and feel validated mm-hmm. where it's not really even about that and if you told this story from the black perspective it's not about black people being validated no. it's about the struggle and the continuous struggle and that's what it's really about and i think that's that's the story they missed yeah, and I feel like the story we deserved for sure. Well, and and just in my limited research of this movie, right, and, you didn't even uh, do that much re- black <laughs> research you know, as so, these people who were paid to make this movie. I mean, just the fact that Frederick Douglass not only was such a huge proponent of black soldiers in general, but like in the Civil War specifically, that's a whole movie, right? Frederick Douglass's fight to get. Black mm-hmm. soldiers into the Civil War, his sons enlisting, that family's journey, you know, through this whole situation. Like, that's a film right there. There's also another film that would have been amazing, and that is Susie King Taylor, who I didn't know about until I was looking into this. And Susie King Taylor was the first black nurse uh, during the American Civil War. She was a slave that escaped and was just with a bunch of other slaves who were. In South Carolina, she attaches herself to this regiment, uh, this all-white regiment that is now kind of like collecting other slaves to like turn them into soldiers to fight. She not only is a nurse for them, but she also becomes a teacher and teaches a bunch of those uh, former slaves to read. And then on top of that, she writes a book. She publishes a memoir about her time in the war. So not only do you have firsthand accounts of what her time was like and all of that, that you could have used the same way that you use Shaw's letters, Mm -hmm. but it's a much more interesting story. (laughs) And so you've got these two things, right? Like these two things right there for you to take. And this is the one that you take because a white man saw a statue and was like, that could be a movie. That's so depressing. <laughs> Is he right? So, <laughs> but true. But true. Um, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about just what what people in general feel about this movie, and they love Glory. Glory, mm-hmm. if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, got a ninety three percent. Glory, if you go to IMDb, it's got a seven point eight out of a hundred and thirty thousand reviews. Wow. Uh, of course. Our favorite Amazon, if you go there, it's got five stars uh, out of almost 8,000 reviews. And it is. You know, on Amazon, it's either going to be one or five. Ain't no in between. No. Yeah, no, there's no nuance on Amazon. There's no in between. Bro, bro, like, Jaws 5 probably has like five stars because like six people liked it, bro. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but given given the, the overwhelming love of this movie, I do want to move on to our capacity meter. To kind of give our opinions of this movie because I'm, I'm interested to see where everybody falls in, right? And so our first level, as always, is 
shorts in the winter, which we're getting to that season. You know, they, they are, if, if David Attenborough was kind of like, <laughs> you know, going through the, the, the nature cycle of uh, white people in America, and now is the time, you know, where they come out of their houses. If you look now through the blizzard, you can see the Caucasian man go out to the McDonald's across the street in shorts in search bare of legs. his bare legs freezing in the cold. He seems unbothered. Is he trying to prove a point? <laughs> is, is this just peacocking? <laughs> but that level is okay. I mean, you're doing something over there. You wallin, really. but in, it doesn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, strange choice, interesting decision. I hope you're okay, but like, not not hurting me, right, Cameron? Our second level is our second level is. Um, Touching your hair. <laughs> this movie is touching your hair. This movie is making an, an act of violence, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, It is not asking. It's definitely not asking. Or it's like asking, but the hand is already in motion. You, you know, yeah, it's already like, oh my God, can I touch your hair? Like, you're trying to get your lunch out the refrigerator in the break room, and you, you look up, and there's a hand on your there's head. There's a hand. Yeah. <laughs> already. Can I touch your <laughs> As you dodge and weave quickly to evade <laughs> these That's curious white David hands. Attenborough. We need to get David Attenborough on the phone. We did. <laughs> what's, it, what's, what's the bag for David Attenborough? What's that? We need to get we'll the producers on there. <laughs> we'll find out, right? It's looking like a no to me. <laughs> um, very and polite our, no, though. Yeah, a very polite... Oh, I'm so sorry, Jordan and Cameron, but <laughs> you don't have the facilities for that, bro. <laughs> um, and our third, our third level... Hey, everybody. Jordan here. Just dropping in real quick, because when we recorded this a few weeks ago, there's a certain trial going on with a certain white supremacist murderer and we weren't making light of the situation but just had included them in our caucasity meter as the highest level of caucasity and given the way that the trial went and you know obviously like i couldn't watch any of it because i was very upset but we don't really feel like giving light to any white supremacist or murderers on our show so we're just gonna take that part out and then instead just pretend that we had either said for the highest level of caucasity, there was a tweet that somebody had sent out after Barbados had claimed their independence saying that Barbados owed the UK reparations. That's pretty caucastic. Or there was a cartoon in a Spanish newspaper just a few days ago with the Omicron variant, uh, like COVID cells with big lips, big noses, afros. So, you know, take your pick. It's all, it's all, they're still out here acting a fool. So anyways, back to the show. But it does carry the spirit of what we're talking about, where you yeah. know exactly what you're doing and you don't give a shit. This is on you, purpose. This you, is violence predicated against us just because yep. you can do it. Nobody's Because you can you do it, it and you think you can get away with it. So where do you, Justina, see Glory landing on that scale? I think it's a, I think it's the time the, the lady I worked with touched my hair when I was trying to get water from the water cooler. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> what? Out of whoa, hey, whoa, where'd you come whoa, from? Whoa, wait, what yeah. are you doing? Oh, your hair is so interesting. Ah. <laughs> get the fuck off me. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's definitely like 
the touching the hair because I mean I feel like it wants to do a better job than it does which doesn't mean it does do a good job but I feel like it's definitely not like an act of 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 violence like some other movies like green book for example mm, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 which is to me the just legendary like, green legendary book. yeah i think it's i feel like it feels like it, they do want to like actually i mean we do actually get good scenes of the black characters not talking about the white characters there should actually be like a bechdel equivalent for like, like a, black people with white like people in a black yeah, mm, Black Delt. Black Delt. Like, do the black characters exist in the movie and not talk about the white characters? Do they have yeah. their own character arcs? Do they have their own shit going on? The Black Dale test. And so I think that Ooh. I think uh right now let's get that, tra- let's get that trademark <laughs> <laughs> to Twitter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's I think it's that's where it is for me. Like I feel like it's like you can watch it and you can at some point be like, uh, oh, that's a little cringy, but I'm gonna forget that happened. Um, but it's definitely more intentional than like, just like, oh no, we accidentally made a white savior film. Yeah. Cameron, what do you think? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go in the same place. This movie's touching my hair because it does attempt to, I mean, it's the story at hand, right? The story is of the Black mm-hmm. Regiment. So you can't ignore that. And as much as this movie tries, and as much as earlier uh, cuts of this movie had tried, they can't. And they found that like literally they found that these characters were so interesting and these actors were so vibrant and these performances were not to be ignored. So I I think even though this movie wanted to probably wanted to be like the great black civil war story. And while it is a great black civil war story, it sells itself short through the matter of its perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree on that as well. <laughs> I feel like this movie is touching my hair for all of the things that you guys said. And as well as the fact that it is taught in schools, it's used as a tool for people to mm-hmm. watch. And then they come around and like, we always say, they feel like they learned something about history. They think that Jupiter Shards was a real person. <laughs> People walked away from this movie being like Jupiter Shards was the guy, and like, oh, poor Jupiter, poor Jupiter yeah. Shards. You know, there's there's a danger in that, right? Like, obviously, no, not a documentary, right? Like, <laughs> you're gonna take some liberties here and there, and that's fine. But you know, the fact that you invented for black men, right? And this is the other point that I think about a lot of the times is that. These are four fictional black characters having fictional conversations written by white people, right? Yes. So it's it's yes. it's taken to another level of like these aren't verbatim quotes that these people are saying. These are things that you think that black people would say in conversations with each other, right? And like sometimes it's like okay, like you you get maybe that's not it exactly, but like you're getting the gist of it and like mm-hmm. cool, okay. And sometimes it's like what's happening here like what is this what are these people talking about like this feels totally inauthentic to me and i think with with this very much so carried by the strength of all the black actors involved right like they elevate this movie all of them do a spectacular job black acting school to the max right like yeah 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 love to see it but at the same time you're just kind of like but i wish it was a different movie right because can you imagine these same actors playing if not historically accurate characters, at least characters that have 
more of a representation um, to what was actually going on in history, right? Like there are memoirs, there are letter. Black people wrote letters too, you know. <laughs> we were talking. We have, we have <laughs> the materials, so you know you could get you could do a little bit more research, right? Find some more historically accurate characters or pe real life people to base these characters off of and then go from there and like then because every scene with andre and denzel i was like i want that mm -hmm. movie i want all yeah, of that yeah. right and so i think that's that's really what it comes down to me is like there's that danger of all right cool i see why you did it this way but at the same yeah. time you're really you're missing the I mean, point <laughs> you're missing the point and like just the whole the whole civil war of it all right like at any time we're getting this notion of the the north being like this bastion of like yeah like we we did it for y'all like don't mm -hmm. ever forget that time we fought a war on your behalf and it's like we all really weren't doing that right like this was <laughs> That's about, not really what happened there no this was because y'all wanted to not have the union fall apart and so the best way to do that was to cripple their economy which was us so you freed us <laughs> like that was what was going on and so yeah, yeah. you know like to, to to paint it as anything else is always disingenuous and like this this movie definitely tries to do that not only through matthew broderick but just like the whole general feeling and gist of it so yeah you know let that yeah <laughs> well as we as we transition out of here any recommendations that you guys would like to make in terms of movies for people to watch instead of glory and for a movie like this you know we can always you can throw in books we can throw in podcasts we can throw in all kinds of other stuff if you feel like there's something that people should listen to if they want to get a more accurate representation of what was going on i'm honestly in a weird way i kind of want to say watch this movie yeah. I, kind oh, of, sure. I, I kind of want to be like watch this movie with caveat you know, with multiple caveats <laughs> and maybe listen to this podcast first. So, you know, that like, you know, Robert Shaw wasn't really with the shits and like mm -hmm. <laughs> some of these people are wholly made up. But from a cinematic standpoint, this is actually like a pretty good movie. Like it still manages to deal with the story of the black people in the regiment. It, it manages to convey how they felt. They're different feelings towards fighting for the union army fighting on the behalf of slavery like i think it's such a nuanced take where denzel's characters offered the flag to fly and he's like no i'm not going to do that because mm -hmm. this i mean i'm fighting here but i'm fighting for my own reasons mm -hmm. but for the rest of us who are still in slavery the pe people who are still captured it's my, it might not be that great for him after this all yeah. ends, you know? It might not work out the way we want. So I, I, I think kind of kudos a little bit to the movie for actually being real with black people and saying that we weren't all with the shits either at the time, even though this seemed like the one result we wanted. So for I would sure. say actually just watch Glory, but just know it's some shit as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say... Watch Glory. I, w I would definitely say that. I would say read Dread Nation. Read Dread Nation. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, Thanks. Going to, if you're not going to plug it, we're going to plug it for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're zombies, so it's not historically accurate either. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> but at least the white people are authentic. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would also say 
I would, yeah, I would look up because I'm interested in reading this this Susie King Taylor book that she wrote. Yeah. Uh, it's called yeah, Reminiscences really of cool. My Life in Camp with the 33rd Unit States of Colored Troops, Late First South Carolina Volunteers. It's a long title, but uh, <laughs> it is that sounds very interesting to kind of read just a firsthand account of that. And I would also say listen to the Based on a True Story podcast about this because there's one thing. This is this is going to take us out. There's one thing that you need to know about this movie. <laughs> and this is this is Gregory J.W. Irwin, who, again, was the historian for this film and also was on set a few times because he was part of the reenactors who were used throughout this movie. And this is a story that he told that, if true, devastating. Like you need to, you need to know. Well, so he tells a story, right? That there's there's the white Civil War reenactors, and then there's the black Civil War reenactors, right? Like there's a lot of black Civil War reenactors who are very adamant about the representation of black soldiers in the Civil War, and so they come out to be in this movie, to be extras in this film, right? But then there's also just extras, right? And so they've hired just like. Basically, black people off the street, like they're mm -hmm. just like, yo, we need, we need, yeah, we need <laughs> oh, bodies yeah, yeah. for this movie. Come on <laughs> out, you know, we'll pay you X amount of dollars a day. There's food, you know, like come and be in this movie, right? So, the the story he tells is that at a certain point, everybody's getting the catering, right? Like everybody's getting like this whatever whatever they're giving, and I'm sure like you're not eating what Denzel is eating, right? But you're getting like. <laughs> You know, you're getting food, you're getting, you know, taken care of and all that stuff, right? And so at a certain point, some of the black extras are like taking extra, right? Like they're just kind of like they're they're going through, they're taking, you know, a bunch of extra food. And I mean, it's it's described as kind of like, you know, they kind of when the truck comes up, they just kind of run up and just start like grabbing stuff and, you know, all that. And so they cut them off, right? Like they cut off everybody all the extras so like the white people and the black people are not getting catering they're not getting any of the food that okay. is that they were getting before right which i know that's got to be some kind of violation of something but mm. so they're, they're not getting the food until one of the white reenactors is basically like they go up and they just like tell them off in the same way that shaw was telling them off about the shoes and then they get the catering back but it's just like so this movie <laughs> <laughs> played out like in 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 short yes at the catering table you know what i mean like they uh, the I same thing you see on screen yeah it's just like that's just such we a wild story sandwiches <laughs> these men need sandwiches and two sodas <laughs> and two sodas <laughs> So that's just one of those things where you're just like, what is happening on the set of this movie? Like, there's there's some other stories uh, that I wasn't able to to verify. So I'm, you know, you can read up on them about Zwick kind of wanted to do some weird stuff on set. Basically, the the same historian talks about Zwick wanting to like do like a hip hop rendition of like one of the songs that they're singing. Stop. And Stop. I was like, I don't Stop. know. What are that, you talking about? I, I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds. He wanted about rap white. spirituals. Rap <laughs> spirituals. Have you ever thought about rapping? Uh, yeah, you know, this Northern movie Star. was fine until 
God damn, they always want to always want to rap. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> that note, Justina, thank you so much for joining us. This has been oh, wonderful. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank yeah, you so yeah. much for suffering through glory with me one more yeah. time. This was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if it was for anybody else, maybe not. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, after hearing about the tear for so long, it did live up to the moment. So it's a I'm, great I'm glad that I've seen it. Is, it. it is and, a great tear. Yeah. Um, but tell everybody where they can find you, what they can look out for, what you've got coming out. Because you, you don't just write that series, right? You do the Star Wars, too. You do I the do High Star Republic Wars novels. I do Star Wars, too. Yeah. Uh, you I, got uh, some Star Wars comics coming out, too. Which I is do. Okay. I do. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> 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 yeah, so um, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm just at Justina Ireland. Um, and you can find me on my website. It's always on JustinaIreland.com. Um, and yeah, my next book is going to be a Star Wars it's a middle grade book comes out in January. It's called Mission to Disaster. So it's the end of the kind of the first phase of the initiative they're calling the High Republic, which is a whole brand new era of Star Wars storytelling. So yeah, um, I always have new stuff. So books are awesome. You should read them. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Cameron, what do you have going on? Man, we're making this comedy, man. We're going to make these jokes until I don't know. Uh, yeah, like I say all the time, catch us with, uh, at Two Karen With Love, sketch comedy for some, uh, race and gender and social funnies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, and you can catch me on the internet at TheBlipster1138, that's Twitter and Instagram, and, um, yeah, fuck Facebook. (laughs) You think you mean meta? Oh, sorry, better. sorry. Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, and I'm Jordan Clark. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at JRSosa18, JRSOSA18. Comic stuff is incoming. Uh, hopefully, I'll have announcements to make at the beginning of next year sometime, but fingers crossed, things are looking good. Um, and yeah, if you want to check us out, you can find us on Twitter at white underscore pod. Uh, we always, I'm, I'm trying to get back into getting a lot of that, that, behind the scenes information back into the to the thread and the timeline so check us out there for just links to a bunch of other stuff we're going to have that for this episode for sure and also you know if you want to write to us and you know tell us where we were right we were wrong about glory and a lot of the other movies you know hearing about how we were right yeah, no, I, I mean, we haven't gotten any crazy uh, stuff yet, but I think that's just because white people don't know that this podcast exists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that what happens, I want. We'll, we'll see. But <laughs> okay, when okay. that happens, you can write us at <laughs> whitepeoplewon'tsaveyoupod at gmail.com and we await your crazy emails. Um, yeah. But that's that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.